The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the television industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is my co-host and fellow Chloe fan extraordinaire. Hey, everybody, it's Nico. On tonight's episode, we're here recording the biggest event in Across the Airways history, Chloe Fest 2011, a live show dedicated to the celebrating the life of Smallville character Chloe Sullivan, as well as the great career of the actress who plays her, Allison Mack. And since this episode is a milestone in the history of Across the Airways, we brought on a few special guests, including everyone's favorite top contributor on the Starkville's House of L website, a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to this podcast, our reoccurring guest host, Michael J. Patton. Hey, guys. And also with us are right now one heroic individual, we have another one on the way, who we are both proud and excited to have on this show. The members of a charity corporation that started out as Chloe Sullivan's biggest supporters and branched out to other television heroines from there, Legendary Women Inc. So with that, I would like to take the time for Margaret, who's joined us as one of the representatives from Legendary Women Inc., to introduce herself and briefly, tell us a little bit about herself as well. Oh, hi. I guess that'd be me. Yes. <laughs> hi, I'm Margaret, and I'm actually a fifth-year graduate student at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And I actually study um, developmental psychology with an emphasis on autism research. But I've always been into, uh, obviously, pop culture and media studies. And before, I was a huge oil uh, fan. I was a big Buffy fan and used to go to academic conferences for that and write papers on that subject for Slayage, um, the online journal. So that's mostly about me. Good deal. And I guess with your organization, Legendary Women Inc., you have kind of a big announcement to make regarding that. Yes. Well, we're really excited because this year we had set our goal to raise um, fifteen or $1,000 for the Christopher and Dana Reeve uh, Foundation. And we were able to, with a lot of help from our donors and from a lot of support by you all, to raise $1,525. So this really makes us feel happy and accomplished because last year we were able to do $3,000. So that's over $4,500 in about a year's time for for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation from us. So we're we're pretty thrilled with that. And basically to give you more background, I Legendary Women Day and all the great work we do. We have a pre-recorded interview on this episode with an actual television actress and co-founder of this amazing charity organization, Elizabeth DeRazzo. KATA listeners, it's Dan here. And as I probably just mentioned, we're taking a brief time out from our live recording of Chloe Fest to give you some background on a group of selfless individuals that represent the ideals of Superman. And I'm channeling my inner Barney Stetson on this one, if you watch that show. And (laughs) the organization that we are talking with is Legendary Women, Inc., an organization that has been inspired by Chloe Sullivan's actions 
as a reporter at as the Justice League member Watchtower to bring her heroic fight into the real world through helping various charities, including the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. And here to talk with us about this real-life team of heroes is their vice president and reoccurring actress on the HBO series Eastbound and Down, Elizabeth DiRazzo. And first off, I would just like to thank you for coming in and talking with us. I know you've had a lot of charities that you've been taking care of and have been a little bit under the weather, so we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and everything like that. No, thank you so much for having me. We really do appreciate this. And, you know, anything that we can do, you know, to, to promote, you know, what we're, we're trying to get out there and, you know, and to help you guys, you know, because I, when we heard about Chloe Fat, we're like, oh my gosh, we need to be a part of this somehow. Because, you know, that that's how the, like you mentioned, is how the initial idea for Legendary Women Inc. kind of took off from that. So thank well, you so much. What, yeah, well, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to reach out with you guys. You know, we've been trying with our podcast to combine forces with the rest of the internet community because it's such a big, vast network and the Smallville fans are so tight-knit that it's really cool for us to combine forces with you guys. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of start things off by kind of asking you some questions about your background with Legendary Women, Inc. and what exactly it is. And then we'll go into some questions about your acting career that I'm sure our listeners will be interested in hearing about. (laughs) Okay. All righty. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what your role is within Legendary Women, Inc. Uh, with Legendary Women, Inc., I'm one of the original co-founders, co-founders, sorry, co-founders. Um, and I actually started when I was in Puerto Rico shooting Eastbound and Down. And so I'm one of the board members. So pretty much what it is is, um, you know, anytime that the girls come up with something, you know, they have their weekly meetings, you know, about, you know, what what charity, you know, they're going to, you know, try and raise funds for, you know, what a character or, you know, a person that they want to promote and really put out there. And just, they just kind of come to me um, as, I don't know if uh, Margaret mentioned to you, but I am one of the co-founders for IBG Inc., which is um, a charity that raises money for underfunded charities all over the world through uh, just the uh, through um, the art, uh, the arts, basically. Um, so yeah, so I'm like, I'm kind of like all over the place and, you know, but I, I love Legendary Woman Inc. And this is, you know, something that I'm very, very passionate about and, you know, I am so happy to be a part of. And do you want to just give the listeners a little more background on kind of what exactly it is and maybe a little background on how you guys came up with the idea or how it got started? Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, we have a mission statement. Um, if you don't mind, I, I read it off because uh, I, I, you know, I can paraphrase it, but I don't know it by heart. Our, our mission statement basically states it's, uh, every woman deserves a chance to be legendary. Philosophy is about promoting role models in the media, especially television, also to empower women in daily lives through funding charities that help to deal with women's issues. So, it, it, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you can go um, ahead. Yeah, and uh, so uh, so basically how this happened, um, I, I don't know if you're aware of the legendary commercial that uh, came out last year in May of 2010. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to get like, dates a little messed up. But in 2010, there's a commercial uh, that was um, came out on the uh, CW right. in Los Angeles and New York. And it was just to kind of think the, the CW, WB, you know, DC Comics, and Alice and that just the creators of Smallville, for creating this character has become such a role model. And I mean, like, she, I mean, she has a huge fan base because of that very reason, because she's strong, she's independent, she's smart, you know, she has her wits about her, and she, you know, she kind of, like, is, like, this hero who doesn't need, you know, doesn't have superpowers, but still fighting along, you know, with the likes of Superman, you know, right next to him. 
Right. So um, it was, you know, basically to say thank you for giving us that, that kind of character, and please keep writing these kinds of characters. And also uh, thank you to Allison Mack, who is such an, uh, you know, an amazing, not only an amazing actress, but an amazing woman. She has that character. And, you know, uh, we had uh, the, the, the privilege of actually speaking to her after this commercial came out. Like, she found out about it about it, and contacted us. And she was just so excited and just so enthusiastic about just, you know, uh, you know, people getting excited about promoting and showcasing strong women in the entertainment industry. That that's how this all somehow took place. And it just, it just came together. It sounded like it just kind of just happened. And I just think it's wonderful. Well, Allison Mack, she has, I've seen a lot of her interviews, and she just has a strong understanding of what these superhero characters or what the character she plays means to people. She really gets that it's kind of a modern-day mythology, and she wants to spread the word about that and try to use those heroic qualities in kind of her own career. And it's worked perfectly through her setting this great example for you guys and your organization. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and even just going to her actual blog, I mean, I love that she just put these unique ways to empower people in some way or another. Like, I remember um, she has, like, these things, what you call Mac events, and she'll say, like, write a word that inspires you and either take a picture or send a video of it or, you know, uh, you post a scene on YouTube of your favorite scene in a book, in a movie. Like, she's always trying to promote creativity and, you know, and just to, uh, just put yourself out there. And, and just, I, I just I just think it's uh, something so amazing that that's something that she does herself as well. Like, it, you know, and, and, and which is what inspired us to do that for ourselves. Yeah, it really is. Chloe, is she the basis for Legendary Women? I know I've read a couple articles that actually Margaret wrote talking about how Buffy and, and Olivia Dunham on Fringe and other of those characters have kind of inspired it or have been examples for you. But is Chloe the basis of it? I, I believe that, yes, she's definitely a big part of it. Um, I know that a lot of us are also really inspired by characters like, uh, you know, Dana Scully from The Exiles. I think she's actually one of the, at least from you know, for myself, you know, when I was 12 years old, when I was, you know, watching television, I had never seen a character like her before. And I think that even Chloe and a lot of these uh, other characters now, like Olivia and, you know, just they, they are all sort of, um, you know, like, baby sisters or cousins of Scully in a sense, like, right. because she was the one that kind of started it all, at least for myself and I know for, um, other girls in, in, the, uh, in Legendary Women, Inc. as well. But yes, definitely, um, Chloe is the big basis of this, like, what inspired this. Well, I personally had a hard time accepting Chloe at first because she was such a radically different entity for the comic book world. You know, a lot of the female characters, such as Lois Lane earlier, not what we have today on Smallville, was kind of the damsel in distress character, a wimpy character, and, and Superman always had to save the girl. And Chloe was the character that was right with him in the fight of things. And kind of the closest example for us in the real world to fight alongside Superman because she is so much like us. She's that comic book fan or whoever that wants to be there helping Superman out by just being themselves. And that's a really cool thing about it. Oh, absolutely. I think that was what originally drew me to that character because she was so different. Uh, and because, again, she did remind me of, of uh, some Scully aspects, and I was instantly drawn to her, like from the very moment that 
you know, that the show began. And I think that's what has made her so special, you know, lover or hater. But I, I think that, you know, she always brings people to have a conversation. And, and I think that's, that's, you know, something that is a testament to the, the writing uh, on the show and, uh, you, know, the pers- you know, the people that created this character and then the actress herself who is able to sort of play into those things and is able to tap into different things that kind of spark this conversation them. Yeah, and my question is, why did you guys just go with the regular fan site? I know there is a Chloe Sullivan fan site out there that's run beautifully. What inspired to do the, the charity work? Is that based on your other organization or... Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Um, when when Margaret and I were speaking about this at one point, when we had a conversation with Allison and we heard how excited she was, and she was talking about you know just really promoting like you know the strong women and, and just and and you know just like smart characters and just showcasing you know women in the entertainment industry. She was really really excited about that when we were having a conversation with her. And so from then on, like Margaret and I and, and a few of the other girls from Legendary Women Inc. talked about well, why don't we take this an extra And which, again, then brought in the conversation about IBG Inc., because IBG Inc. was born as well because we were fans. We were all fans of television, all fans of different characters, and we wanted to do something good with what we've been sort of, you know, quote-unquote, taught, you know, through these characters. Because a lot of us were, you know, really young when we started watching, and like I said myself before, like being a Scully, and it inspired a lot of the things that I now do in, in my life. And I know it, it sounds, I, I don't know if it sounds weird now, because I tell people, I'm like, kind of like, oh my gosh. But, um, I, but I think it's so fantastic that, that television and writing, and, and I know that they get a lot of, a lot of, they get attacked a, a lot because, you know, like, oh, you know, they inspired some really horrible events. But I think that they, it actually also has the ability to inspire some really great things and testament to each organization that were born from being inspired from women in television. Well, and, and, and especially Smallville. That was kind of my gateway, almost I would say gateway drug into the world of television. That's what I started watching at a young age. I started watching the show. Let's see, back season one, I was about 15, 16 years old. And I just, it really, I felt like I grew up with that show. There's a lot of things on life that I went through that I look back on and could connect to the show. And the show helped me, I don't want to say get through, but... They were such a part of what was going on in my life. And there was a lot of the times where, you know, I'll sit there and watch the show. And especially in 200, I was really looking back at the times, you know, I spent watching the show growing up and kind of what I was doing when certain events on the show took place. So that was cool. And it was cool looking back on kind of the journey I had with the Chloe Sullivan character and how almost my relationship with that character changed as I continued watching the show. I went from being a comic book fan that was totally against her to be someone that absolutely loves the character and thinks the character is one of the strongest characters within the superhero universe, uh, one of the most relatable ones. So that's just a really cool thing with looking at this show. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I just I remember the show because the show started in two thousand one. So I, I I think the show started when I moved out to Los Angeles. So you know there was such a journey with it, and it and it's just like you said, it's like. Well, I mean, with the, for the character of Chloe Sullivan, I was instantly gravitated towards her, and it was just like, oh my god, like, I would love to play someone like this, like, you know, one day, and, and just to take that journey, and like you said, just to be able to, like, call back to those moments of where you were in your life at that point is, is like, amazing. I think that, that the television has the ability to do that, or characters, you know, writing. 
And I really hope that Chloe can have a life beyond Smallville because Superman's been around for years and years and years, and I just can't see that universe without Chloe now. Oh, absolutely not. I, I mean, I know that she was just recently introduced to the comics, so I, I really hope that she continues on. Um, I terribly miss the character if she didn't, and I feel like she will. Yeah, and, and it enough. needs to be, I mean, just, well, go ahead. No, I, I just, I, I said that I feel that she's made enough of an impact to continue, and I, I, right. I hope so. <laughs> and, and I hope so, too, I mean, for your, your site, so you can keep this thing going, because you guys have a really noble cause, and it's a great thing that you're doing, and... Can you tell us a little bit about some of the accomplishments that you've made with Legendary Women Inc.? I know we've advertised a big charity for Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation, but you know, are there a few other things? Well, yes. Um, like, uh, just like you mentioned right now, this is our second annual drive to raise funds for the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation. And then also um, upcoming in this April, uh, Legendary Women Inc. will be collaborating with IBG Inc., which is the, the charity that I'm a co-founder of as well, um, because they, you know, they, they fit the criteria of, of women that are part of the industry and are doing very positive things for um, microfunded charities all over the world. I know that we're also going to the Philadelphia Wizard uh, uh, Con in June, and they're partner, uh, we're, we're partnering up with local Phil- uh, with the local Philadelphia charity to raise money for them as well. Nice. So you're going beyond the Christopher Data Reef Foundation. You're helping other organizations and things as well. Yes, absolutely, but definitely the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation right. will always be a staple under Women, Inc., and it'll, it'll definitely be an annual drive to raise money for that charity. Well, definitely, especially with the connection that Smallville as a show has had with that foundation and actually having Christopher Reeve on the show. So Exactly, yes, definitely. It's a, it it's has, a great has that choice. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's something that, you know, a, a lot of, that most of the Smallville community feels very, you know, almost like, yes, you know, like that's the foundation that, you know, like they feel connected to because, you know, I mean, there's so many connections that they have not only to the show, but, you know, right. Christopher Reeve, who's, you know, the Superman that I grew up with. Yeah. Well, I, I have to personally say, I really respect the work that Christopher Reeve has done. And I don't think without him, Smallville would be established. But Tom Welling, to me, is the Superman I grew up with. So this yeah. is, you know, this is a big deal to me that this show is ending because you know this is the Superman I've grown up with coming to an end so it's yeah I can't believe it's all here it's yeah. it's, it, it, it's just like to know like that they've been a part of our lives for about 10 years now or 10 years really it's just almost like what the end is near what are you talking about I thought they were going to continue this forever <laughs> yeah well and especially since it's had I mean such great moments for you working with your website and whatnot you know, you had that whole big broadcast on WPIX in New York and KTLA in LA. You know, what was it like getting that broadcast and actually being on the CW network with one of your favorite shows? And how did you guys get that opportunity? Um, well, we weren't Legendary Woman Inc. at the time when the actual commercial came together and aired. But, you know, it was definitely one of the things that, um, you know, made Legendary Women Inc. possible. But it, it was, I have to say, it was uh, the most terrifying and exhilarating thing I've ever done, um, mostly because I've been used to being in front of the camera right. and not in back, like, you know, behind the scenes. And I was terrified because I'd never done anything like it. But I, I luckily am, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm very lucky because I have friends who worked in production and have, you know, produced themselves, you know, directed, and it, it was just... It came from, you know, that just everybody kind of coming together behind the scenes and, you know, helping this come together. 
Um, and it was quite a journey because we started with this, you know, we knew that when we were going to do this that we wanted to get permission from the CW, from Warner Brothers, from DC Comics, you know, and from Allison, you know, because we were using her likeness. And uh, so we went through all the appropriate channels, you know. I spent a month or so, you know, going back and forth with Warner Brothers, you know, just trying to get, you know, permission to do this because, you know, as much as, yes, you're promoting their show and whatnot, the material still belongs to them, so you have to be respectful of that, you know, and, um, you know, and just get, you know, all of, you know, cross all your, you know, dot and cross all your kind of thing. And, you know, and once, you know, we kind of got over, like, the initial, you know, Stuff. Like they were really, really supportive, and you know they they send us the stills and and the the Supergirl T-shirts that ended up being in the actual commercial, right. and uh, you know they 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 approved the script. Like we know that the producers approved the script, so Kelly and Brian were you know great and like going over that and you know just kind of you know saying okay to kind of copy of that, and uh, and then once it aired. It was, it was a little crazy during that time because the, the day that we were, you know, getting everything ready, I was flying to Puerto Rico. Uh, so I kept missing um, the, the, <laughs> the guy who was in charge of having it air in, uh, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. We kept missing each other. So I remember being at my connecting flight in Florida. And I was like, I can't hear you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, just trying to get it all done. It all worked out in the end, you know. It, it and it was great, and uh, but it, it was quite um, it was quite a, an adventure to get it up, up on the air. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love that all of the the fans came together and you know and raised money to put this up on the air. I just thought it was fantastic, and and I know that they really appreciated it. Well, you know, I've heard from listening to our friends' podcast at uh, Starkville's House of L. They're you know the number one Smallville podcast out there. At least that's what they call themselves. And they just said that Warner Brothers has just been really great in terms of connecting and supporting their fans and being there for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think this could have gotten off the ground without them. I mean, and we wouldn't have, you know, because, again, we did want to do this, you know, completely legitimate and, like, not have any, you know, feet or anything, you know, as much as we, we're thanking them and saying, like, yay, we, we love this character and, you know, and this actor that you have on your show and love your show and thank you so much for, you know, wonderful years. As much as all of that, you know, it, you still need to get that permission, and, and they were just, just wonderful. Like, from the very beginning, they're really, really great. Yeah, and I know with a little bit of the frustration people had last week with the CW pushing back Smallville a week, that season premiere, they kind of threw things for a loop with this podcast for about a day and a half. But this still kind of shows that they, they still do good things with this network. They're not the big, bad, evil organization that I think some of the fans make them out to be. No, I mean, like, we, like, as I think we always want to find someone to blame, and it's easier to blame the network, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I just think that things got shuffled around. I mean, again, you know, being from this, you know, being in the entertainment business myself, you know, I understand that things have to be done in order, you know, to uh, help their shows. Like, they're never doing it to hurt their shows. I mean, because it is their show. Um, so, you know, just things get done, and, you know, um, as a fan, you know, who has been waiting for, you know, over a month and a half to see it, yeah, disappointed, yes, 
But especially because, you know, Alice and Max returned, I was really, really excited about that. Right. But I understand what they did. I mean, they, they did it with another show that I watched, which is Private Practice on ABC, and they pushed that as well. So I was like, at first I was like, oh, come on, we're waiting yeah. for this episode. But, you know, I get why they did it. I mean, also now that American Idol is back, who is like a monster's rating, you know, everyone's kind of still trying to adjust their schedule to kind of go up against that, that show. Well, I think us fans really wanted Ed to the void of no Chloe. I mean, we understand why Allison had to take a break. I mean, she is probably one of the busiest actresses in Hollywood, at least in my opinion, from what I've been following around what she's doing. So we get that she had a break, but still, we miss her. You know, we really do. No, absolutely. I mean, I understand it as an actor why she, you know, needed to kind of sort of go out there and, you know, and she's been doing a lot of theater and, and you know, and doing, you know, independent films and, and uh, then she did that uh, brief, uh, that show for sci-fi. So I, I understand, you know, why she left the world like, oh my gosh, you know, we miss Chloe, like bring back Chloe. Well, that's why we had to do something really special to let Allison, who I hope is listening to this, know that we really missed her character and we're happy she's back. Yes, absolutely. It did, it didn't. I mean, like as much as I, I do, I do love Smallville. I love all the other characters in Smallville. For me, there was something missing because she wasn't on the show. Because she's been a part of it since the very beginning. You know, you know, along with you know Kristen Kirk and Michael Rosenbaum, who you know are greatly missed as well. But yes, for me, yes. there was something about Chloe that you, I really felt uh, the lack of her presence on the sh- on the show this season. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I really, really hope that you know that she comes back soon. Because she has such a special relationship with each of the individual characters on the show. Exactly. I agree with that. And I'm looking forward to see her reaction to a lot of the new things that have happened, especially Clark and Lois's relationship and Lois knowing everything. I'm really looking forward to scenes between her and Chloe discussing this whole thing. Yeah, well, I think that um, Allison and Erica play really well off of each other. Those are some of the that I've always enjoyed. They're just really fun, and there's such a sense of... I, I can't explain it, but I really usually enjoy it. They're, they're always so, like, you know, funny, but heart, like, heartwarming. And, you know, it's just they're endearing scenes between them. Like, you really feel that they have that kind of, like, relationship or that, that closeness. So um, I think that those definitely will be fun to see. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, too. And real quick, just trying to figure out the timeline of it. What season of Smallville did this commercial air during? Um, it was uh, season nine. Season nine, okay. Yes, it was uh, this past year. Um, originally, it was intended to be a farewell to Allison because, um, you know, there was a rumor circulating that she would not right. be coming back for season 10. And I do remember that we were told, like, let's not make this a farewell. Let's just make it, a, you know, like, you know, thank you so much kind of thing, which uh, it almost tipped us off to, like, oh, so she might be coming back kind of thing. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we found out the great news that she was coming back for season 10. So we were really excited. Yeah, that was a crazy couple of weeks when we were trying to figure out if she's coming back or not. And I know the fans were really strongly felt she should come back. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Glad that worked out for everybody. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, too, like, I'm just really happy like that she'll be back this Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And I know you kind of approached the subject a little bit before, but just to kind of nail it on the head a little bit. Why do you enjoy the character of Chloe, and how has she inspired you? I've enjoyed the uh, character of Chloe um, because, like I mentioned before, like she she was always like this um, this like really like just like uh, strong and independent kind of go there attitude. Like you know, I like did not 
wouldn't let anything kind of stand in her way. So, like, I, she knew what she wanted, and she was going after it. And then also the fact that she was in, in a world of, of heroes. You know, e- even before she found out uh, of Clark's secret, she was still fighting side by side with him. You know, whether she was helping him investigate, you know, or, you know, or, or doing, like, her own, um, you know, by uh, her investigating for, you know, for, the, uh, for media freaks or, or even uh, just helping, just helping people. I think that that's definitely something that really needed that character. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with the whole uh, helping people out thing. I, again, with my own work, I'm trying to get myself established as a screenwriter, and really, I'm always kind of asking myself, how can I help people, or how can I inspire people with what I'm doing? And, and I think that the things I've experienced from watching Smallville and Chloe's character and her relationship with Clark and her has definitely done that for me, too. No, absolutely. I, I think, I, I just, this character... I haven't even seen any, like right now in television, a character that comes close to what uh, that character encompasses for me at the moment. So I just think that it's, you know, not only a testament to the writers and the creators of the show, but to Allison Mack, who has been able to, to play the hell out of that character. <laughs> well, does that influence your career as an actress? I mean, she's definitely been uh, a person that, uh, that I do admire um, as an actor. For me, you know... Some of the actresses are like, you know, Gillian Anderson, uh, Alice Mack, uh, Kate Walsh, Kira Sedgwick, Kate Winslet. I mean, those are some of the people that I, like, aspire to have, be able to kind of have that work ethic. And, and uh, if I have, you know, like, like just even a smidge of that kind of talent, I, you know, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> those are excellent choices to aspire to being. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, <hope> so. <laughs> I bet there's many actresses in Hollywood that wants to definitely, you know, aspire to be like those actresses. I mean, I, mean, I think that they're really, I mean, there are some of the actresses that, you know, that are, are constantly working and it's a testament to the, the talent that they bring to the table. And I'm looking forward to see what Allison's future is going to bring. Because I really think it's going to be a bright one. I think we're going to be seeing her have some really amazing roles, especially how well she performs exposition. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like, I can, I can definitely see her just like, you know, doing a, a lot more, you know, after um, Smallville ends. And I mean, and she's doing it now. I mean, she's, you know, she's right. gotten with, you know, with one off Broadway show, uh, which was Love Lost and What I Wore. And she's doing another one right now. Um, you know, she's always, you know, kind of like, you know, just trying to see, you know, where to go next. And I think there's this, this one quote that she said that I, I think, you know, is something that I myself, um, you know, hope to follow is she goes where the good parts are. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's television, if it's theater, if it's film, it's wherever the part is, she's going to go. Well, she is incredibly, I mean, she seems like an incredibly smart person. And it seems like she's very smart at the role she chooses. And she wants a character that really has a lot of thought put behind it. Yes, no, absolutely. And, I mean, and you can even see, I, I've, you know, I've never you know, been able to go to any of the, of the cons or anything, but I did see short clips of her uh, being asked uh, about how she approaches her character. And her thought process and the way that she breaks, his, breaks it down is, so it's so intricate um, in the way that she does it, and you can you you can see that 
she, you know, there, there's a there's a process that she goes through, and and, uh, and that she really takes time to kind of, you know, dive into this character and sort of like understand. I mean, and now I mean, she's been playing it for ten years, so it's almost like it's like a second skin to her. But um, it just it, um, she reminded me a lot of uh, of Jillian Anderson in that sense, which she also, you know, when she was talking about how she breaks down her characters, like she goes like through this whole process of like, okay, trying to understand what the character is doing, what they're doing, and you know, and sort of just um, try like immersing herself completely in that. So you see that she does, you know, have she understands these characters because she knows them. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely love to be able to, and I, I'm sure you would too to sit down with Allison for a day and just really study what she does and how she really gets into the Chloe character and all the aspects of it. Oh, absolutely. I think it would definitely be a very interesting conversation. And like you said, she's, she's a very smart woman. So, you know, she definitely has a lot to say. And um, I think that that would be pretty fascinating to do so. Now, from a perspective of someone like you, who is, you know, somewhat of a trade actor or is a trade actor, I mean, based on, all the shows you've been on and whatnot as guest characters. Do you have a favorite performance from Allison over the past 10 years of Smallville? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, well, there's so many, um, uh, I know that, I mean, one of my favorite, I mean, that will be one of my favorite episodes, but, um, I think that she was, you know, that everyone in, in the guest's chest on point was Vessel. I thought that that was a really great episode. Um, I also really loved Allison's work in season eight. I just think that there was something that just happened, and uh, it was it was just um, it's you know she's always been fantastic, but in season eight there was a transformation that happened within her as an actor. Like right. there was a change, and I just think that she did some of her best work in season eight. I mean, and has continued to do something like it. It's you know it's been throughout the series. Season eight was you know kind of a standpoint uh, for me with a lot of her performances, like in Beast and Eternal. Yeah, I was just thinking like, that. I mean, I'm like this girl. I was like, she was acting her like just like everything, like every every pore, <laughs> every little part of her body was just like zoned into that moment, and I was just like. Wow, I was completely amazed. So yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of episodes in season eight that I just thought were. Um, she was just phenomenal. Well, as I always call it, I call it the Chloe season. That was a completely Chloe themed season the whole way oh. through. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I mean, just because I just thought that she really, and I, I thought a lot um, also had to do, um, you know, like they got in Sam Whitworth, who's in your Juliet, uh, Juliet trained actor. I mean, come on. You know, uh, and he's fantastic. And, I mean, I just thought that everyone, like, everyone just elevated. Their, their, their being was just so on in season eight. It was like everyone turned in really amazing performances, I thought. But Allison, to me, and, and not only because, you know, it, it may sound a bit biased because, you know, she is my favorite character on the show. And, I, you know, she is one of the actresses that I hope to, you know, some sort of have, you know, like just, you know, a little bit of the career that she had. But um, I just really thought that she just was Wow, like the fact that there was no nomination for any of that work that yeah. she did was kind of stunned. But again, it's, you know, the CW kind of gets, you know, um, they kind of, you know, get ignored at times. I mean, the, it wasn't the only person to ever get, like, when it was the WB to ever get a nomination was Lauren Graham and Gilmore Girls. And she did amazing work for seven years on that show. Um, but only one time did she ever get nominated. And I just think that sometimes the CW does get, you know, a little ignored when it comes to, you know, to kind of nomination time, but I just thought that she was 
just beyond. That season, it, it just... I really think that single-handedly revived the show. Oh, absolutely. Because I had a lot of professors down when I was going to film school saying, this show's over, it's got to get off, it's got to end. And I said, you know what, you've got to have faith in this thing. I think it's going in that, and it, it was at that point, I was so adversed in the Chloe storyline that I just didn't want it to end. Yeah, it was, it was so great. I'm like, and, you know, a chef, you know, coming from that, you know, from season eight to season nine, I mean, and they kept the pace up with season nine, and then it kind of reversed, and, you know, and, uh, and then just, you know, um, started to change from that, that Chloe thing, but I just really felt it definitely, like you said, it just got it. There was just, wow. There was something about that season that, for me, um, it just stands out. I mean, obviously, there's other seasons, you know, like with Lionel and, you know, who's another one of my favorite characters on the show. And I'm so happy that John Glover is back because he's a spectacular actor. And, you know, just, I just, you know, I, I'm so excited for the rest of the season just to even see him. And, you know, like, and I was really hoping to get an Allison and John Glover scene because they're so great together. Yes. But, uh, so, I don't know. I hope... Mind. I hope we get I hope we get one at least, you know. Absolutely, I agree. Season eight was just stellar for me. Well, I think Chloe, the turning points for Chloe within this show has been Vessel, as you mentioned. That was the season five episode. Am yes. I correct? Yes. That yes. was this where she found out the secret. That was a big turning point for Chloe's character. And that's really where I got to see the potential she had to be such a hero for all of us here kind of in the real world. That was huge. And then later on in season eight with what happened with Jimmy and everything like that, that was a big turning point. And those were really two of the best parts of the series as a whole. Oh, absolutely. 100%. But again, I don't, I don't want to undershadow anybody else because all the actors on this show have said great moments. Tom has progressed as an actor like no one's business. It's been yeah. unbelievable with his transformation and Erica and everybody. It's, it's a machine that's running on full steam, and it's just amazing. And I'm glad that they're all back together again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, and even also to point out um, Justin Hartley, who I think had oh, yes. since he first got introduced, and I can remember him from Passions because I used to watch Passions. <laughs> um, and uh, so um, I just like he went through such a transformation. And then Cassie Freeman just came on, and she just had her game face on. She was no, you know, she was right. she. She's pretty great, like from the moment she came on. So, and I'm glad that they've you know been able to explore her storyline as well. Um, you know more, you know throughout the couple of past seasons. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that everyone's been you know wonderful in it show. I mean, and now that we have Annette O'Toole coming back, and right, and you know just everybody else, you know, just coming back in a full circle. Um, I think everyone's wonderful. But you know, again, you know, <laughs> I'm like Allison. For me, is you know just. Well, what did, what did you think of uh, Sacrifice with uh, Cassidy Freeman and Allison trapped in the oh, watch time in that episode? I love that. Like, the way that the... the <laughs> but I mean, that was also going to be fair enough episode of nine just to see them together was so amazing. I just, you know, because I, I loved Cassidy from the moment she came on the show and just to have those two girls just be together in a scene and, like, the first and then kind of like that back and forth between them was... <laughs> really fun to watch. It was a great episode too. I mean, they both they both you know brought their a game, and it was just um, it, it almost it almost felt like a different show. Yes, I like. I mean, not to say anything about Club, but it almost felt like a different show, and I, I was like, why don't those two girls get like a spinoff or something? 
That would be awesome. That would be a great thing. And I'm sure uh, as we go back to Chloe Fest, I know this is kind of our time out, that we're going to get even more of these memories and come to mind. I mean, honestly, we could talk all day about this. I kind of want to change gears a bit and talk a little bit about what you're doing and stuff like that. Again, you're one of our first celebrity guests on Across the Airwaves that has worked on a television production. So we kind of want to give our listeners a little bit of insight on that. So tell us kind of about what it's like working on the HBO series Eastbound and Down. I know you've been in six episodes, I think that's right. And yes. how you kind of landed the role of Maria. Um, yes, I was in six episodes this past season, season two, and uh, I will be coming back for season three. Right. So I'm really excited about that. And it was the role of Maria was something that just sort of kind of fell, you know, like right. just it was. I was originally I was originally auditioning for another role for the uh, for the role that ended up being played by uh, a friend of mine, Christina, to play um, Ephraim uh, Ramirez's wife, who was uh, you know people know him as Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. Right. Um, so he played my uh, he was originally supposed to play my husband, and I went in on audition with him. And when they saw me, they thought, you know what, we should have her come and read with Steve Little. I have no idea who Steve Little was at the time. I didn't even have any idea who Danny McBride was. I just knew, you know, who Will Ferrell was, you know, just right. because I had heard that he was one of the producers. But I had no idea who anybody else was, or even Ephraim. So when I went into those auditions, it, it was almost a blessing that I had no idea who they were, because I was able to sort of just, you know, do what I do, and, you know, just, and, and not kind of be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, drive myself insane, you know, right. like. You know, I'm auditioning with so-and-so and so-and-so. And uh, after I did that second audition for Network with Ethan, they saw me and they're like, you know what, she would be, like, let's bring her in with Steve. And I know that there was a few people like, no, we don't know how that would work. And they're like, you know what, let's just bring them in, see if they have any chemistry, and we'll just go from there. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So the next day I went to Network with Steve Little, and it was all improv. There was no, there was no script that I was reading from. Uh, they were just giving direction off camera, and you know, we were in there for you know a good 10, 15 minutes, and uh, and they laughed, and they, you know, it, the casting director was actually trying to work with me beforehand before I went in, and you know, we picked out an outfit before I went in there, and um, the rest of these days it's three. They called me a couple of weeks later and told me that I had landed another role, which I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And they're like, uh, she's in it more. She, you know, there's there's a story to her. Like there there's you know you'll get to do more. And I was like, oh, okay, and then they told me we were going to Puerto Rico and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing and yeah. that's how I ended up on East Benedan as Maria. <laughs> kind of like winning the lottery a little bit there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it just, literally it was just blessing. Like it's just, like the fact that uh, uh, the, uh, one of the producers, um, Stephanie, was like, you know, let's just, let's just test out. Let's just see what happens. And it was really off of base off of that. Let's just see what happens. And, you know, here I am now. <laughs> Well, I know you said before we started that you were a little nervous about doing the interview. Going out there and doing the improv, that had to be really nerve-wracking there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, I had, I had trained in, 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 you know, in theater. I, I took a couple of courses, you know, at, at college and then a couple of seminars. Um, but I never, I never did improv myself because I never thought that I had to be tiny. And I also, I'm so terrified of comedy. Um, because, you know, I, I'm able to, you know, sort of pull from my life to kind of hit those dramatic moments and almost, you know, feel that. But uh, once, um, you know, for, for improv, it was, it, I was just so terrified of it. I was so terrified. I wasn't going to be funny. And 
Yeah. Um, so I remember I called one of my friends um, who was actually on cold with me, and I, I, I just, you know, asked her, like, oh, you know, what do I do? And she literally went through a 10-minute, like, minute like court of like improv like the do's and do like you know the do's and don'ts and that's how I kind of went into that audition all right yeah that that's just cool it's really it's a big thing with the industry for those of you who are listening who don't know it's really about who you know and what friends you have a connection with that for um for you need for getting a role Oh, you know, I think there is a little bit of that. I, I definitely do, um, or, you know, maybe a lot more of it. But, um, I, I mean, I've been, well, okay, no, yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, it's actually the way that I first got my first role on Cold Case, um, I, my best manager had met me, and he really liked me. And he sent me out an audition, and I landed the role. Like, I didn't work once I was in the actual room, but had it not been my friend's manager at the time, I would never have gotten for an audition. Right. And talking about kind of the auditions and, and working on this show, I'm assuming by working on a Will Ferrell show that produced by him, starring Danny McBride, you're probably surrounded by a lot of funny people. And kind of, I've always wanted to ask this of a lot of people who are on comedy shows. What do you do to kind of keep yourself laughing while filming a scene? Or are there are a lot of takes. Um, there's definitely a lot of takes, um, but um, it's after a while you kind of like train yourself to stop from laughing. I mean, like definitely you know, there were moments where you just couldn't and you you just like went with it. Um, especially because Dan Danny's so quick and he yeah. just you know, throws things left and right. And then Steve Little is hilarious. Like he's just a really funny guy. So being a and constantly, I did a lot of my work with both of them and with E-Friend um, and. I mean, it was hard. It was definitely hard. I mean, there's there's moments that off, uh, even on camera, we were shooting a scene, and it was such a great moment, and I knew at the moment that it was happening, and I'm like, don't laugh, don't laugh, just don't laugh, and, and I, it took every fiber in my being to stop from laughing, but it actually ended up airing. So, um, you know, it's, you know it's just, you just kind of find and pick your moments, and sometimes you just can't help it, and you just do it, especially working with that bunch. Now, do they crack themselves up sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I figured. It's just, I can't even imagine how difficult that is to just stop from laughing. I mean, because Danny McBride, from what I've seen of him, he is an incredibly hilarious guy. So I just would think working with him, it would be really tricky not to laugh the whole time. Yeah, no, and he's such a great guy. So down to earth, very sweet, and hilariously funny. So. Yeah, that's a big factor with that. It, is, you know, a lot of these people are professionals when it comes down to it. And yes, they're funny and wacky, but they, they're good at working with you to help you handle the tendency to laugh, I would assume. Yes, definitely. Now, I know you said you're, you were a little nervous about comedy. Now you're doing it. Do you see yourself primarily as a comedic actress? Or do you have an interest in kind of a lot of different kinds of genres? I definitely like a lot of different kinds of genres. Um, you know, I start from Cold Case, which is a pretty dramatic uh, role. Um, and then you need to, it's, you know, such a difference to what I did on Eastbound and Down. But I'll say that, like, which we were talking about earlier about Allison, of what she said. And I think John Weber has said this to her, you know, go where the good parts are. And, you know, that's really, that's really all I could ask for. Well, it definitely seems like you're in the right place right now where you're going. I, I, I think so, yeah. And do you have any... Do you have any upcoming projects or productions that you're working on uh, besides Eastbound and Down to 
advertise or give yourself some self-promotion or anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, as of right now, really, I'm just kind of, you know, um, hitting pilot season, you know, uh, you know, hoping to see, you know, what else is out there for me and then just waiting to kind of go back into production on Eastbound and Down, which hopefully will be soon for season three. All right. And on that note, kind of, what's the future for Legendary Women Inc. now that Smallville is going to wrap up in May? Well, I mean, it's something that we definitely have to, we're going to, we're going to definitely continue, you know, because it did start because of this character that inspired, you know, the girls in Legendary Women Inc., but it's also, you know, that that's why it, it's about strong women out in the, uh, in the media and promoting that, and, you know, and definitely I think that there's a lot of characters that qualify that, you know, you know, Fringe to Castle, you know, Beckett to, you know, Bone Brennan, you know, that there's a lot of women out there that you could definitely sort of say that, you know, inspire, you know, everyone from different types of fandom. So I, I think that it's work that's definitely going to continue. Well, we definitely cover all those shows that you just mentioned. And, you know, if you guys want to do a Beckett Fest or a Brennan Fest or anything like that, we'd totally be down for doing that uh, to back up your upcoming charities and stuff like that. Oh, thank really you. Kind of exciting. That would, be, that would be wonderful. No, absolutely. You know, it, it's, um, I think that uh, all of these shows definitely bring communities together, and especially now that, you know, with social media, I, I, I think that that would be something that we'd definitely be willing and wanting to do. Well, and the big thing about this is there are a lot of strong female characters on television, and they're becoming a bigger and bigger part of it as time's kind of going on. I mean, look at how many shows depend on a big, strong female lead character that has taken their basis, I would say, from Gillian Anderson way back when the X-Files started. I would say Sarah Michelle Gellar to a certain extent, too, with oh, Buffy. Definitely. Is there any chance, or have you maybe worked out a way to be able to work with Allison back in the future? Uh, I mean, I don't have any product at the moment that, I've, you know, that I'd be working with her, but I mean, I definitely that's something that I would really, you know, hope to um, do, you know, soon. <laughs> I'd hope to really work with her. Well, I'm definitely keeping your fingers crossed. Uh, my fingers crossed for you that that can happen. Thank you. And last off, uh, since Allison Mack will hopefully be listening to this podcast with you guys going to see her play, and I think meeting with her, is there anything else you would like to say to her? Or let her know. I mean, not only that you know she has not only inspired you know Legendary Woman Inc. You know, which is you know hopefully going to raise uh, a lot of funds for different charities, but also that she's inspired you know many people you know um, in their creativity. And thank you, thank you. And you know, I'm an actress you know in part due to you know because of, of, of um, a character that I, I grew up watching you know her portray. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to us today and doing this interview. Um, we really appreciate it and. I really hope, Allison, if you're listening, that this conversation really showed you just how much of an influence you've had on the industry and inspiring people to become heroes in their own right. So thanks a lot, and thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate you being a part of this and sharing us about your acting career and just your love for Allison Mack. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, is there anything real quickly you wanted to tell our listeners in the chat? about Legendary Women Day and what you guys do, or did you just um, want to say that to the interview? I can leave that to the interview, and if y'all have questions afterwards, I can try and clarify what Liz said. I'm sure she did amazing. Yes, she did. It was a really great interview, really enjoyable, and it was great really getting her insight on her as an actress and her thoughts on Allison Mack and everything else regarding that. How much money was raised again, Margaret? 
Uh, this year it was uh, fifteen hundred and twenty-five dollars. Nice. Yep. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very exciting. Yeah. Most well, definitely. I just like we really like working with them. They're really nice, really go. appreciative people, and you would think that it's a big organization, and they, you know, they have so much clout, but they're really just extremely polite and nice, and they make it so easy to deal with them, and I, we really appreciate them every year. So. Yeah, what was great about your your organization is that everything donated was passed on to the Christopher Reeve Foundation, and a lot of times you run into organizations that have overhead that they have to cover, and so only a portion of the proceeds go forward. And so, like, you guys did a great job, and I know that uh, the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation do an excellent job as well. So all that money that all of our listeners and uh, your supporters uh, donated is going right to the foundation to do the good work that they do, and that's what's really important. Yeah, well, eventually, I, mean, I think all organizations need to have, like, overhead. I mean, that's pretty important. Yeah, understood. We've always sort of had, we have this good relationship with them, and we just wanted to make it the charity that we make sure all of our proceeds end up going to that, so, exactly. or all the money rates. So that's our 100% sort of deal with the, with the CDRF, so. You want to go ahead and we'll, we'll kick off the the summary, and then... Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so the summary for this week's episode was in the aftermath of Hawkman's funeral, the heroes are captured and released, and Black Canary believes that Chloe Sullivan is responsible. Clark and Oliver disagree on whether their friend and lover, respectively, is a traitor. Yeah, and with this episode, Nico, do you kind of want to get, start us out? with giving your thoughts on the episode and what you thought about it? I thought this episode was really fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. And you and I and uh, Michael and Margaret all kind of had a quick discussion beforehand. And you mentioned that it was a great opportunity to give Chloe Sullivan some superpowers in a way that was realistic for us all to see and not be like, oh, come on, what are they doing? No, this was awesome because they were in essentially the Matrix as we were joking that uh, it was very similar to the movie. But, you know, while she was in that virtual world, which has always been her her superpower is her skills with the watchtower and being able to hack and all that stuff. So she was using her superpowers and essentially becoming... Uh, a superhero and part of the team in, well, she's always been a part of the team, but actually having some superpowers this time and saving everybody and getting them out of the thing. And so I thought that was really fun and interesting and a great way to give uh, Chloe a, uh, a, a solid start to the her swan song. And uh, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I definitely did too. And I'm glad that the focus of the episode was on Chloe's return. It wasn't just, oh, Chloe's back. They had her, you know, function as what we've talked about time and time again on the podcast, Nico, as the wise man character. Kind of making Clark believe in himself is basically what she functioned as in this episode. I think Lois helped a lot in that, too, though. Yeah, I I, I definitely thought so as well. Uh, Margaret, do you have anything you would like to throw into the episode with your your thoughts? Well, first of all, I was thinking that the part I liked the best um, really is once they got back to the real world. Um, I liked uh, seeing her and uh, just have 
more of a quiet moment, and you got to hear just a glimpse of where she's been. I mean, they've sort of not covered from about May to November, but I liked how, if you're listening really closely, she explained how she got hooked up with the Suicide Squad and how she basically outsmarted them so that they work for her now instead of them running around willy-nilly being terrorists. I really thought that was amazing that she was able to sort of undo the Suicide Squad with just really thinking it through and, you know, careful research and being really on top of that and then use them to save the JLA. So I feel like she's just been, you know, disarming the uh, the suicide squad on her own and then doing the whole JLA rescue. And that's pretty amazing to me. Just, you know, again, not that she needs powers or anything. She just was really quite smart and really good at, uh, you know, figuring things out and thinking about what works and what doesn't and what plays people's weaknesses. Definitely. And going off kind of what uh, somebody in the chat, Elisa Lee, who's our good friend. Hi, Elisa Lee. Thanks for joining us. Uh, she said something about her keeping the Suicide Squad in line. And yeah, she definitely did that. And I thought it was pretty slick how she basically gave Rick Flagg the option. Basically, you know, I'm going to report you to the government about your missiles or you can work for me. I like how she did that. It kind of made them almost kind of forced them to work for her. That was a really kind of slick and smart move, but she also did it in a way where she didn't seem, like, incredibly evil. Well, I don't think it was evil. I think that they were really good at clarifying the point that she's not been with them. I mean, after she got involved, after the whole stuff on her own uncle, obviously she wouldn't be someone who sets out to blow up her uncle, but I I thought it was amazing how she got in there and really neutralized them when a lot of people have been trying to get them both from the government itself and the, the JLA. So I think she's found a way to sort of use their own uh, weapon system against them and their own sloppy records to being against them. Well, it's, it's how Chloe, I think, deals with situations. You know, she's an average person just like us, and she can't go in there like Black Canary or like the other characters and do that fighting and stuff like that. Hold on a minute. I'm going to take a time out. Karina is giving us a call, so I want to answer her call here. Well, one of the questions on the chat is, um, why is Chloe actually staying this time? And, like, Nico, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what you said is, is exactly right, Michael. Uh, that she doesn't have to protect the Jet, uh, Justice League anymore. They're, they've been exposed, in a sense, uh, to the government anyway. And so, uh, she can she doesn't have to try and protect their identity. Well, they still want to protect their identities, but um, she doesn't have to protect them as much as, as she felt she did in the past. Plus, I think um, now it, it, it the idea that they're going to hide or go into, uh, you know, shutdown mode, that's, that's been blown out of the water by the events that happened today. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oops. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey. Hi. It worked for my call. Yeah. Did we lose Nico? Yeah, we lost Nico a second, guys. Mm. Are you guys coming in all right, though? Yeah. Margaret yeah, and Karina? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we have just been joined by Karina, a member of Legendary Women, Inc., as well. Uh, she couldn't get to us before because of technical difficulties. What would you just like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm 
Uh, that was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Karina, I think we lost you a second. I think there was a quick sound issue. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, now we can hear you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm a journalist. I don't know. It's going. Karina, we, we keep losing you here. It head. keeps going in and out. Okay. Yeah. Nika, are you with us? So weird. Yeah. I am. That's so strange. Okay, Margaret, you're still here? Yeah. Okay. I can hear y'all. Okay, just making sure. Huh. Yeah, I know. At least Lee, we do love technology here. <laughs> Gotta love technology. Yeah. Especially when it works. All right, Karina, we're going to just try one more time Does for you. Yeah, we've got you now. Okay, you can hear me? Yeah. Okay. So try it one more time. Okay, um, I'm the like Wow. Still going in there? Yeah. I think it's when she says Legendary Women, Inc. Yeah. Skype just doesn't like me tonight at all. I don't know. Every time we get you close to coming in, it's like we lose you for a second. That's so strange. Yeah. Did you hear that, thing? Yeah, we're hearing you now. Yeah. Huh. Weird. We could give it another shot Maybe again. Maybe when you want to introduce yourself. If it wants to, like... For you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it still doesn't work. Oh my god. <laughs> well, this is fun. We're, we're abusing our audience, though, thankfully. Yeah, that's a good well, thing. There you go. We, we still have our 37 people, so we're good. Yeah. Thank you to those 37 people who are okay. laughing profusely right now. <laughs> Probably. So, where were we with thoughts on uh, collateral here? Margaret? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm here. I think, why are we talking about why is she back now and how are they going to deal with um, being um, part undercover or are they not? And how is it all affecting? Especially since the preview for next week is like obviously big rallies and things like that. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm not sure. Michael, Michael has something he wants to explain. I guess real quick. What well, were you, what, go well, ahead. Well, no, I was like, because like we said earlier, the reason they don't need to hide anymore is because Clark put Slade in the Phantom Zone, so he's gone, and Chloe took care of the rest of the VRA people who knew about their secrets. So they can pretty much kind of go back to their normal lives for now, I guess. But I guess we'd have to wait till next episode. With Lionel and Alexander to see what's going to go on for the rest of the season. And I know I'm kind of jumping off subject a little bit, but did was that preview right that Lionel like punched out Martha? No, it looked like Alexander. 
Oh, wait, Alexander punched out? Thank you, Michael. But it it looked, looked like Alexander. Yeah, it looked like Alexander. Yeah, like that Alex. makes a lot more sense. But it looks like she yeah. almost hit Tess more than Martha. It almost looked like Tess, I thought. Huh. Because that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Because didn't she hit him earlier this season in Harvest? Yes. And they reclaim Luther Court next episode from Oliver and Tess. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I with you, Chloe Fan SD. Chloe needs to be featured more on Smallville, but I really think she was featured quite a bit in this episode to a great degree, and I'm really yeah, glad yeah. this episode explored their relationship, uh, Clark and Chloe's relationship. And how nice was it them sitting down and kind of talking and laughing as friends at the end of the episode? That was great. Oh, I, I, I like that. Well missed. Long missed. I mean, I felt like all of season nine and was just not, was not fun to watch because they were so fighting and it was so not the, the group you'd seen in the first eight years, which I thought was also nice to have her looking at the photo of um, the three of them, her, Pete, and Clark, back when they were obviously really little, probably from season one. Right. Like, oh, there's the friendship. I remember that. Yes. So, you know. It was nice to feel that again for the first time in, well, since Lazarus, but really forever, it almost feels like. Well, I was really proud, I was really nervous going into this episode, because the way one of the descriptions described it, there was going to be, it almost described it as there was going to be a clash in the episode where Oliver believed in Chloe, and Clark didn't believe her at all, and thought she kind of turned to the dark side. And I was really glad in this episode that it wasn't Clark not trusting her, or thinking that she turned evil, it was more of him feeling like he didn't know her anymore. And so I liked how it was that way, instead of it seeming like Clark gave up on her or he was angry at her. I thought that it played out that he was just, he'd been as hurt in his own way that she left without saying anything Oliver was. He just is so, Clark's so bottled up that I can see why he didn't say anything. The guy who says stuff out most of the time. Right, exactly. I agree with you on that. So, Nika, you, you've been unusually quiet there. She's unusual. Yeah. Can I question it, though? Uh, uh, coming through the child when I do speak. Yeah, I, I, I can I see that. You know, it's, uh, the last think part, kind of, I thought, uh, everything uh, was perfect. Uh, it was just kind of like, uh, I got a, I got a big seven or a conference call at seven and, and it's a bunch of black. <laughs> it's like okay, but uh, amazing. So, nice. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a weird ending, where she's like, "Oh, I got a conference call. I have to leave." Um, and that's two weird endings in a row for this show, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I guess they were trying to show life goes <laughs> on. I guess I don't know question mark on that one what what like next is on the list well I, I was going to ask really quick what people thought of the whole flight scene were they excited were they disappointed because it really did take place in the real world what was the situation for everybody well, at least like, um you know it's well, whatever I mean it's <laughs> interesting I feel like it's a little bit of burden and a little, little bit of a retread of warrior and I feel like it's not the real thing, so it's like you're kind of throwing this, you know, so it's like 
differently, but I feel he did thing. I mean, not the suit, not actually happening in the real It's like, hey, winky, winky, like, he could do it, but if Oliver's like, I'll have superpowers now, he could. Yeah. So, like, neat and the effect's okay, but you have a feeling that, like, when they actually have a budget for it, like, in May, it'll be, like, a lot cooler to see the, you know? Sort of yeah. like when Crusade was, like, the premiere and they really spent a lot of time on it. Sort of like that. Like, this sort of seems a little bit like it be cooler. Yeah. Well, again, and, and, and it's happened a lot throughout this season where Michael and I, we were kind of a little disappointed with Patriot, you know. We yeah. thought something bigger was going to happen in that episode. And we were disappointed. We were like, oh, are they really going to hold up their end of the deal? I give it some really great stuff. And then, uh, you know, Icarus aired, and that was unbelievable. And we were like, we should have done the last show on that. Yeah. Well, I wasn't disappointed with this fight scene. No, I know. Michael was very excited. He had us watch it twice. I could put a baseball in my mouth how wide it was open. Yeah, somebody, GoClo had an interesting statement here. They're saying, she was saying that they were supposed to fall, not fly. She said it felt kind of over the top. And I'm waiting to the finale for his final flight. I am too. Especially since he'll probably be in the suit. Yeah, and I guess they were supposed to fly, but I think maybe they went too far with the symbolism that Clark has now reached the point where he believes he could fly. Before, I don't think he believed that he could do it. And now I think he has that belief. Which will probably help him through the rest of the season. Fight the darkness. Okay. I don't even make sense. He's yeah. not doubting himself anymore. But I, I really liked it that both Chloe and Lois had a hand in him believing in himself and being able to fly. That was pretty cool. Yes, the bending was good, Elisa Lee. That's kind of why I got the sense that he was going to fly, because it stayed consistent with uh, the season four premiere. What's that entitled, Michael? Season four premiere? Yes. Crusade. Crusade, yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah, Wingster55 said, what is the darkness? He doesn't know what the Wingster55, have you been watching Smallville this season? The darkness is essentially dark side. If 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 it's been unclear to you since you've been watching it, but he's like a spirit, kind of like Zod was in season six. Yeah. So it's different, right? Real quick, and everybody, I, I'm going to apologize again. We lost everybody for the chat, so I'm going to try to answer the phone. Sorry, I got dropped. Yeah, I know. Something weird's going on with this connection signal. I feel better that I'm not the only one dropped. I wonder if Winkster was talking about more that Dark Side's there, but he's not been, like, a very... I mean, they implied he's been controlling Slade, but I feel like he's not been a very physical presence since they started. Right. Like, I feel like he's in the wings, but I've never seen a villain that they've played that who's been this much just on the shadows. <laughs> Pun intended. But who's really just been out there. I mean, I know we had, um, I'm sorry, Godfrey, and I know we had um, Granny Goodness in the beginning of the Trinity and the blah, 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 but it doesn't feel coherent enough. I mean, I don't feel scared of Darkseid, I think. I, I don't feel like he's a menace. I, I mean, I don't feel like he's out there killing nuns or making labs or, you know, trying to take over the world or tearing stuff up like the, even the zoners in Season 6. I feel like... Yeah, he's there, but Seems like you're the he's just sort of 
chilling out, and I've never even seen him except for like five seconds as CGI in the end of Lazarus. So I feel like he's not a threatening enough force for me right. to be as excited with him as I have been with other villains in the past. Yeah, I was I, like Lex was there, you know. Well, I agree with you. I, I think this season, it's even been Lex is there, or the VRA. Uh, again tonight, that that lady, she drives me nuts. That kind of Gustavo lady with the VRA that was in this episode of Icarus. Uh, you know, she seems more of a menacing threat than Darkseid right now. Exactly. Like at least they've been hands on and gotten close to like killing people. But like it's just it's felt like Darkseid's there, but not. So I feel like right. it's, I feel like it may be a shortcoming of this season that the big bad is just. I don't know. It, it feels almost like the first with Buffy, except the first was even more present, and he did have you know right. Nathan Fillion being evil. But um, right. it's just it feels flat for me. Yeah, and and again, it might be that situation like Buffy, where it really didn't occur until the end of the season. I think so. I think Wingster's point might be that he'd like to see a villain who's there from the beginning of the season doing something. I don't know. I would feel like better if we had somebody doing something. I feel like it's. A little bit. I mean, I know Davis in season eight was at least whatever there, but doing his Jekyll and Hyde thing, or Zod was sort of playing around making towers. But I, I just feel like Darkseid's not there. There. I mean, maybe we'll feel it more after Masquerade when he right. is doing all his torturing stuff with through Zod. But I just I'm feeling kind of not feeling vibe. Yeah. No, Michael, you got a theory on this because I know you have plenty of theories about Darkseid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, Darkseid isn't a major part yet, and I think the first beginning of the season was they wanted to focus on the VRA and Alexander a little bit. Everything is going to be hyped more in the second half of the season, but I think what they wanted to do was give the viewers a preview of what is to come in the second half overall, I think. Right. But I think the reason that Darkseid hasn't been around lately is because ever since he appeared in Supergirl, Kara deflected him, and I think it actually hurt him, and he might be recuperating maybe in a few bodies or something like that. And he's just trying to get gather enough strength and get more powerful and get more people on his side for his cause. And I think the unholy trinity, Desad, Granny, Goodness, and Gordon Godfrey were a big part of that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that was an important aspect. I mean, and Hawkman said he's been here before, so right. he obviously had Granny Goodness and she has her female theories, so. Right on with that, I agree, too. Um, real quick, just to do a quick check. Nico, is your audio coming in all right? Better now. Okay, yeah. It, is it the room you're at, or is it just we're having too many people connected? Uh, I'm not sure what it was. when. Uh, at first, when you added someone, um, someone else, I think Karina, uh, you put me on hold. And then you called me back on my cell phone. Okay. So then I, uh, when I got better internet uh, reception, I just went ahead and uh, called you back and it reconnected. Okay. Right. So I think we're doing better. Yeah, we are doing better. You sound, it kind of yeah. sound like you're in a really echoey place, but besides that, we're good. Yeah, it's the hallway I'm in now. That's cool. told you that I hate my apartment. <laughs> yeah, yes, you have. Several times. Our podcast listeners yeah. don't know about that, but yes. 
So you're in a hallway? Yeah, he's yeah, in a hallway. This is the joys of living outside the United States. Yes. It's okay. I bet it's not all that bad. Um, there are some good things. Like when I take a study break and I look out and can see the ocean and uh, see cruise ships and everything rolling in. That's, that's always fun. But um, uh, then I realize that I'm spending 13 hours a day in a lecture hall. <laughs> so uh, then I get depressed. Yes. I got you there. Okay, Elisa Lee, let me ask you something about this then. She just wrote to us, Dark sight can only infect those who already have a darkness within themselves or who are vulnerable to influence. Lois and Kara are strong women who know who they are. And, okay, so my response to that is, how is the darkness able to infect Chloe? Because I feel like she's a woman who knows who she is too by her taking well, her places. Well, she hasn't been infected. So I don't understand. Well, the there's point a of there's question. an upcoming spoiler that says she's going to get infected down the road. No, actually, like, the official description was that Darkseed was going to torture her and try to infect try. her, not okay. that it was going to succeed. Okay. Considering the Fortunes of Comedy episode about them going to Vegas, I'm pretty sure she's not all side Darkseid infected because I don't right. think he wants to go play the slot machines. Although Darkseid does like strip clubs, apparently. Yes, but anyway. This is Chloe Fest, everybody. That's true. Not Dark Side Fest. That that is definitely true. That's also true. And everybody, we're gonna be talking about Collateral probably just a few more minutes and then we're gonna move on to talking about favorite Chloe memories and everything like that. And again, that's kind of the, the most important part of our show. So hopefully we have all the sound issues resolved so we can do that for everybody. Yeah, there won't be any spoilers and I, the Jason Project, I hope we haven't spoiled anything for you so far. We're just basically going on the official summaries that we've been reading on, on websites that you can basically get that's not considered a spoiler. On television without pity, it's not, so... Right. Rules. At TV.com and other places. We, for Across the Airways, get our majority of stuff from there, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you know, Dan, some people don't even like to watch the previews for next week's right. episode at the end of the season, so or at the end of every episode. So um, every, everybody has their own definition right. of what constitutes a spoiler. Okay. Well, I hope we haven't spoiled anything for you guys too much uh, so far. Let us know if we are getting on the verge of saying something nobody wants to hear. Let us know definitely in the chat, you guys. All right, thanks, Sam Wise Peace, for the no, don't worry there. Appreciate that. We're going to move on to just us. First off, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to give out our favorite Chloe Sullivan memories. We're going to go between uh, myself, Michael, Nico, and Margaret. We're going to give our favorite memories. And then I, I'm going to give mine last because I actually wrote something out of my script that I want to say a little bit. And again, I don't want to steal any of your thunder. And Michael just whispered to me, Ladies first, and I actually thought that too. So, Margaret, if you're all right with it, would you like to start us off with your favorite memories? Um, yeah, well, I so my favorite or... memories have already gotten, or will be hit on by other viewers, so I have to go to alternate ones. But there's so many good ones that people have picked out in the script already that I'm so excited to get into. But I would say probably a couple of the really fun ones are actually going back to uh, Hothead, which is the third episode of the whole series with the um, fire coach. 
Um, I really right. love that uh, Chloe's excited that she's getting death mail because she's done this exclusive on the <laughs> cheating scandal at the high school. And I'm like, that's a girl who just lives for journalism. And if you go back to season one, I love watching her in Kinetic, which is where she and does her first ever interview with Lex Luthor, and she's really grinding him on um, level 30, uh, level, I guess it's level three back in the day with his dad, and what happened with Jitters and Earl Jenkins and everything. Right. And so you can just see how much she loves this game and how smart she is going back and forth with Lex. I mean, she's 14 at the time, and he's 21, 22, so it's pretty, it's like, wow, who is this girl, and how is she holding her own with him? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole way through, Chloe is just a big... She surprises us at what she can do. I I remember on the same kind of vein of what you're saying, the episode in season three, where she basically broke into one of Lex's labs. Or I think it was Lionel's labs, and started causing all kinds of havoc. And you're like, this is like a 16-year-old girl. How is she able to do these things? This is crazy. So I totally get you there. Uh, but again, as you say, Margaret, a lot of your memories have been taken. Can you maybe explain why you personally enjoy the character of Chloe Sullivan? Well, um, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, obviously the way she's played is amazing. And I think if it had been another actress with um, less range of capability, that Chloe would not have been as fun. And she might have just been female Pete and might have phased out uh, throughout the seasons. But I really love watching her. And I think Alison Mack just does a great job of nuance and really getting you to um, really, really love the character with the way she acts, the way she reacts, the big doe, Chloe eyes, where you know she's, like, ready to just, you know, cry. So you just really feel like you empathize with her. But as far as the character goes, I love that she's smart. I love that she is someone who's really driven. I love that she's someone who knew, starting back when she was way little, if you go to the flashback from progeny which is episode uh, 18 and season six how she wanted to be a cup reporter from the time she was about seven or eight years old right. i think that there's just so much to see in this woman who when they wrote her especially around the seasons wasn't like oh who should i marry who should i do this what's my love life it's i want to be the daily planet must be at the daily planet right. i'm going to get this job i'm going to get this internship i'm going to do this and she just you know even back i mean the girl was abducted and um almost killed and obscure, and so what she does is she writes the article about her kidnapper and gets the job at the planet. I mean, most girls would just, like, or anybody would fold in and just be like, I want to have my post-traumatic stress moment, and instead you're seeing someone who uses it to get to the ledger, and then they see that and get her work on her own internship married at, like, 15. So I just love seeing someone who loves a career so much, because a lot of girls on TV, it's like, who's she sleeping with this week? Right. You know, and I love to see that it's a girl who's, oh, is she getting closer to her goal? Well, and the nice thing about her is she is a character, a female character on TV, that can just be friends with guys, too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she's definitely <laughs> one of the guys with Pete and stuff. And right. It's hard because they don't have a lot of guys on the show, I guess. I mean, they right. do, but, I mean, she dated Jimmy and Ollie at some point, so. Right, and that's like, a... They don't have a lot of guy friends for Clark after Pete left. It's kind of weird. He's, like, sort of on his own with, like, Mr. Bouncy Ball. Yes. Very sad. Oliver. Jimmy. Well, not really. I mean, I... I Jimmy I, was not really very on screen. I mean, there were some buddy moments, especially in season seven and eight, but I felt like they didn't do Jimmy Clark as much justice as they could have. Yeah. Also, Oliver spent a lot of his time drunk and womanizing. Yeah. Kind of sad. And murdering people. I think that their friendship really 
came into its own last season and this season in terms of Ollie and Clark. Yeah, I think it took a while because he's been so many drunken orders. But anyway, getting back to Chloe, I think it's good that she can sort of hold her own with whatever crowd she's in. Right. Frankly, she can excel and pwn most of it. Yes, especially tonight with what we saw and everything. Um, And why don't we pass things on? Michael, you want to go ahead and tell us? Yeah, sure. Uh, favorite Chloe memories and how Chloe has inspired you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess one of my favorite Chloe memories is obviously your first appearance in Pilot. I mean, who can forget the whole wall of weird sequence? I mean, ever since I first saw the Pilot, now my first episode was Watchtower, or Watchtower, Justice, where I saw her as Watchtower, and immediately I was hooked to the character. Then I go back and watch the Pilot, and I'm like, wait a minute, is this the same girl? I had to go out and check. I'm like, wow, really? I mean, it, it, it was really cool to see the range of stuff she can do from a reporter like Lois Lane to a superhero in her own right like Oracle, Barbara Gordon from the comics. I mean, and just to have a transition like that and then to work at the Daily Planet and then for Oliver Queen and all this stuff, I mean, if she wanted a new job, she has a huge resume. That's for sure. But... I mean, Chloe overall really inspires me to be, like I mean, like Clark does too, but to be like a better person and to try harder in everything I do because Chloe never gives up no matter what. And I think that's a good inspiration, inspiration to everybody. So, I mean, again, my first episode being watching Smallville being Justice and immediately I was hooked not only to... Clark as Superman, because I'd never liked Superman before up until then, but also as the whole Chloe character, because I'd never been exposed to her before. And I was just like, why isn't she in the comics? Why isn't she out more? Why don't people know her as much? So, I mean, that's where I stand, really. Yeah. Well, um, with that, Nico, do you want to give us your feelings on the character? Sure. I'll start with my favorite memory. Alrighty. And that comes from season five, the finale vessel. Um, the events of Dark Thursday are happening, and Clark is attempting to save the world, and uh, he even saves Chloe's life when a car comes flying through the window at the Daily Planet. Uh, but essentially, she tells him to go out and stop Lex instead of taking her uh, back to the farm to keep her safe. Uh, but before he goes, uh, she gives him a, a passionate goodbye kiss and says, in case, they, in case we never see each other again. Um, and I have to think that that might have been the best kiss sequence in the show because we were not expecting it, or at least I wasn't expecting it. And it really was a very passionate kiss and it seemed that both characters were really into it, even though it might have surprised Clark. He definitely went with it, and um, unfortunately, at the end of that episode, Clark ends up in the Phantom Zone, uh, and that kills any of our hopes of those two getting together, because by the time Clark gets out of it and returns to Metropolis and Smallville, Chloe has met Jimmy Olsen. Their love affair has begun. Um, But regardless, that's one of my favorite uh, memories of Chloe. Um, oh, and I really like the Banshee episode when she 
uh, drops the towel in front of Clark and he's like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> that was just purely for humor sense. Uh, it was funny. And, um, you know, those were my favorite uh, memories. Now, why I like Chloe Sullivan. The reason I like Chloe is because she's the best friend that you can always count on. She's that person who loves you for who you are and doesn't expect any more of you than you expect of yourself. Uh, and maybe even she does expect you, to, maybe expect you to be what she knows you can be, but she doesn't expect you to be anything that you're not. Uh, she's that friend that we've all had uh, from before you even noticed the difference between boys and girls. That maybe it eventually turned into more, and for Clark and Chloe, it almost did. Um, now, Allison Mack plays her so well that she reminds me of my friend from childhood. And Allison has that amazing ability to be stunningly beautiful and yet still play that cute girl next door character that even a complete geek like myself feels that maybe even I could be friends with her. And the real reason I love Chloe is her diehard eternal best friend status with Clark. And we saw that at the end tonight. And the fact that she's always been there for him and we can assume that she will be there until the day she dies. Uh, and we should all be as lucky to have a friend like her. That's very, very well said, Nico. And the reaction you've got from the chat room, I don't know if you were following it while you were talking. We got some really great stuff here. People have now started referring to you as God due to the echo in the hallway that you're in, which is pretty funny. And also you got tons of hearts from people in the chat room about mentioning Vessel. So you seem to be the one that has most been in sync with the fans tonight. So great job. Everyone's well, pumped about it. I, I, I mean, I, you and I had talked about that, Dan, before yeah. we received the email. And we're going we're, we're gonna, to, someone else is also going to talk about that same scene right. and give a little bit more explanation on why they love it. But um, I know I'm not the only one that loved that scene. Definitely not. It's probably yeah. one of my top favorite moments from the whole series. I think it probably would be my top almost, but I, one other moment really chased it out. Maybe I'll elaborate on it, but uh, okay. that's one of the best. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with Nico with the best friend thing, because I totally have a friend like that. And she's pretty awesome, too. And that's great to have. I would think everyone's had a friend like that at one point or another in their life. Well, thank God. Yeah, that was my point, is that um, seeing Chloe on the screen brings back those memories, and that's why all of us uh, fell in love with her. Um, I don't think the Chloe character was supposed to be... uh, the character that she ended up being. I don't think she was supposed to last the entire series. I think Allison Mack was um, so good and so in, um, uh, what is what I'm looking for, um, vital to the, to the show that they couldn't get rid of her. That people would have just stopped watching the show if they got rid of, rid of Chloe. And that was not the intention, I don't think, at the beginning. She was um, maybe the, a, a character who might have gotten us to, to the time when either got with Lana or got to eat Lois. And ultimately, Allison Mack just embodied the role so well 
they, it, she became indispensable to the show, and they had to evolve her character, and, and they did it so well that she's, you know, it's, it's unfortunately she, she's not been in every episode of the season because she's so important to the show. I agree. Couldn't have said that better. No, it's very true. Yes, definitely. I'm with you on that too, Margaret. Um, just Allison Mack is just, she's taken a character and it's, you know, every so often there's a character that comes along that takes a life of its own. And definitely, Nico, going along with what you said, Chloe Sullivan has done that. And kind of leading into that, uh, I kind of want to go into my journey with this character. And really, for me, I probably have had the most... This is probably the most realistic connection I've had with the character. Since the fact that, with me as well, my relationship with the character of Chloe Sullivan has evolved throughout the course of this series just like her relationship with Clark and everyone else on that. And so on that note, in order to reveal my favorite Chloe Sullivan or why I like the character, I kind of have to come clean to all of you listeners about something. And again, you guys can give me the wrath of God for a little bit in the chat as I say this. But at the beginning of Smallville, when I started watching it 10 years ago, I was absolutely kind of completely against the character of Chloe. And the reasoning behind that was, when I started watching Smallville as a big fan of comic books and superheroes, I kind of still had this bad taste in my mouth from watching the movie Batman and Robin, which basically at that time gave me the philosophy that if anything used in a live-action interpretation of superheroes did not line up with the comics, it basically was the kiss of death. And to me, at that point in time, Chloe fit that bill because in the comic books, Clark, during his time in Smallville, was supposed to be with Lana. Because of me, especially during this first season, to get stuck to my stomach during the scenes in season one and two, where kryptonite, Chloe's emotions, and Clark's somewhat inability to express his feelings due to a secret mess things up for his opportunity to have a relationship with Lana. And I kind of blamed a lot of those things on Chloe. And at one point... During season three, it even caused me to stop watching the show. However, once Lois, the person who Clark ultimately was supposed to be with, appeared on the show, I eventually warmed up to the character. Although what turned me around completely was kind of finally understanding the notion of Chloe having feelings for Clark, and then understanding that them having a short romance was a necessary evil for the show, because she was a high school girl. And essentially, like all of us at the time... When we were in high school, we were kind of all at a point where all of us needed to kind of develop in the person that we were going to become, as well as the friendships that we were going to have for the rest of our lives. And as for Chloe, she was kind of destined to become the protector of secrets belonging to the world's greatest heroes. And for her to become that person, she needed to develop into a person who was ready to learn Clark's secret and come to the understanding that she needed to share her love for Clark with the rest of the world, in order for them to embrace him as the symbol of hope known as Superman. And through Chloe coming to this realization, she became a superhero that was almost similar to us in the real world. And I see Chloe in that light because essentially she is us. The viewer who has spent the last 10 seasons of Smallville rooting, or at times screaming at the TV, for Clark to express his feelings for the woman he loved. 
see his faults, see his strengths, and keep fighting for his destiny to be the greatest hero the world has ever known, even to the times where he wanted to give up. And obviously, while we're watching the show, Clark can't hear us. But that's essentially where Chloe came in, acting as our voice, as if we were in each Smallville episode, using her wits, knowledge, and computer skills to support the Justice League and Clark in the same way that we support the characters of the DC Universe as fans, as well as believe in these heroes' morals and ideals. In a way, Chloe Sullivan is us as if we entered the world of Smallville. And honestly, look what Allison Mack has done by breathing life into this character. Honestly, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be sitting here having Chloe Fest. We wouldn't have all these amazing Smallville fans supporting this event. And we would not have selfless organizations like Legendary Women Inc. joining us tonight. I mean, think about it. Legendary Women Inc. has raised thousands of dollars for charities such as the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation through just simply following the example set by Allison Mack's character and using the basic computer skills that Chloe uses to run her day-to-day operations as Watchtower. Well, I think that that's part of it, but I think that a lot of what we see in Legendary Women Inc. isn't necessarily Chloe can hack, which is a skill, but right. frankly, Dinah can hack and Kara can hack and pretty much most of the characters who come onto the show at some point have learned to hack. Even Clark had a couple of times where he's messed up with Chloe's computer before. I think um, in Arrow, he does a couple things to her uh, DP computer so she can't access files on all of her. I think part of what we really see when we go out as legendary women isn't we can use a computer to network to others, which is a little pedestrian and everybody does it. It's that we want to fight for truth and justice the way that Chloe does because I think there's something she believes in more than anything over the last 10 years it's the truth, and I think that's what she loves the most. I think that's what we at Legendary Women want to do is go, you know, here is an organization, here's a charity you should know about, we want to tell you the truth about it. Oh, here's a woman from literature, from this television show or this book, and she's amazing, you need to know about her. And so I think we want to know and we want to share the way that Chloe always wanted to know and share as an investigator and a reporter. Um and use a computer, too, because she was, you know, wicked good at that. But it's not just about hacking skills or computer networking as much as truth right. and justice. So. Well, and that right there, what, what I consider that to be exactly what you said about bringing out truth and justice and things like that, I feel like that's bringing acts of heroism into the real world. And I think, in my opinion, that will always make Chloe Sullivan kind of a part of my purest heart and almost someone who needs to be a part of the Superman mythos from here on out, in my eyes. Based on Allison Mack's beautiful performance over the past 10 seasons of Smallville, teaching me, and I hope all of you listeners out there, that even though the Superman symbol is one of the most recognizable symbols in the world, one of the women behind it, Chloe Sullivan, is the character who I honestly believe to be the most relatable. Because Chloe, to steal the words that Hawkman or actually Nietzsche used in the episode S.H.I.E.L.D., is that she's almost the example that has forever proven to us in the real world that all of us can be a Superman, essentially, in our own way. So that's basically how she's inspired me in that way, is that she's inspired people to just bring acts of heroism into the real world, like what your organization does, with, I mean, your own fight for truth and justice. Mm-hmm. And I love it how Chloe just leads by example. 
I guess is the best way to put that. Definitely. And, uh, thanks for adding that little insight in there, Mark. Right. It kind of enhanced what I was going to say. So. No problem. I appreciate the boost there. Well, everybody, we're going to go to the next part where we're actually going to start discussing fans' favorite Chloe memories. That ATA listener sent as voicemails and discuss them kind of with our co-hosts and guests and all of you in the chat. So we're going to play our first one real quick. We've got several. We've got one uh, from the U.S. We have two from the U.S., and we actually got one from London, England, which is kind of exciting. So we're going to play all those for you. So we're going to start it out with our first one. Hi, my name is Shannon. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a second-year medical student. My favorite Chloe Sullivan memory is her fighting for her dream to work at the Daily Planet as a reporter. Thanks. Bye. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. Margaret, would you like to start us out on that? Yes. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> not a problem. Uh, did, did you catch the voicemail? Oh, yeah, totally. I even know who it is, but I won't say. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I think that a lot of people who um, watch Chloe and have really followed her journey since the pilot um, are always going to come up with saying, you know, Thirst, which is, I think it's, gosh, the fifth episode of season five, maybe? Yeah. Um, the vampire episode. Everybody goes, vampires, and they sort of forget the other parts because the vampires were so bad. Um, right. Buffy the vampire. But um, is when she gets into the Daily Planner. I think everybody really loves the scope of how it felt. You know, not only did they bring in Carrie Fisher, sort of the nerd icon, to be in there and be the tough-as-nails editor who's like, you've got to prove this to me. Right. But you had to love the end where she goes, I had nowhere to go but up up and away. And she gets to echo those words from the comic books. And then you do the pan out of the Daily Planet all the way up to the globe in the sunlight. And I think that's really amazing and um, just a really beautiful moment because it's something that she'd been working for for her whole life, not just the four years you saw before on screen, but since she was a little tiny kid. And so you're like, wow, this is so great. This is what she wants. This is where her career and her heart lie. So I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, and I love that episode because... I mean, I, the vampire thing is kind of nutty, but I really love the voiceover aspect that Chloe had got to have the voiceover throughout the episode. And we really got to see inside of her reporter brain. That was a really cool aspect of that episode. Um, I just think the source material might have been a little bit better if they went with something besides vampires. I think they really wanted to exploit the fact that they had James Marsters on the show. and yeah. It was cutesy, but the other two plots with... Uh, Brainiac versus Lex and Chloe getting into the planet were really amazing. So, you know, you right. get credit. Yeah, you get two out of three, you'll give them that. That's a good deal. But at the same time, those final words of that episode, that also sets us getting our hearts ripped out when Lex takes her career away at the planet. Yeah, being fired for by the villain for helping to save Hero is really hard. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really something that is the one thing I think fans, or a lot of fans of the character, are waiting for, to see her match up with her comics counterpart, who is a reporter in Metropolis, who is well-decorated and, uh, you know, good at her job, to see Chloe on Smallville return to that same kind of journalistic roots. Maybe at the Daily Planet, maybe somewhere else, but to see her really embrace reporterhood again, I think would really be the best send-off they could give her. Yeah, well, an interesting theory that was made 
by, I think it was online, a forum I was reading, people were kind of giving this idea that, you know, maybe Chloe could almost start her own, like, underground journalism group that was spreading the word against the VRA that supported the heroes. I think Chloe's best place is to be, you know, front page of, you know, you could say the Gotham Gazette or the Star yeah. City. I don't know what they have over there, but the Daily Planet is pretty much where I think a lot of us feel she belongs. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, definitely, you know, entitled. I just, I mean, the show's, like, pushes, you know, far away from it. It's almost like she almost has to go rogue to still be a journalist. Um, just, I don't see why she can't be a journalist. Yeah. Um, I don't see why she has to be an underground blogger. I mean, she's technically a blogger in the comics, but she's well-known, name, face, the whole day. Right. I don't see why. You know, if Tess can be Watchtower and be an editor of the right. Daily Planet, I don't see why Chloe couldn't do the same yeah. thing. I think it's like this very odd double standard. So. Right. But remember in Hex, Chloe gave up her reporting life willingly, though. She knew that being Watchtower was greater than ever being a reporter, and she could help so many more people. So she gave it up willingly. When a wizard did it. I'm just saying that I don't see why Tess can be Watchtower and get to be the editor of the Daily Planet. I mean, she has a lot of jobs and backstories. But, I mean, I'm just saying that the best ending, I think, and I think a lot of listeners and a lot of people out there really want to see is Chloe going back to a major metropolitan newspaper. And if not the Daily Planet, then, you know, send her to Gotham or something. But right. really give her a spot back on the reporting pages where she's always wanted to be. Yeah. You know, just because Lex kills your dream doesn't mean you get to go out with your tail between your legs. You go back and you fight the villain. Yeah. I don't know if she really wants that anymore, though. I mean, she's come a long way ever since then. So, I don't know. Right. That's my thought. I don't know if she really cares so much about that anymore. I think she's content with what she's doing. See, I would argue that, maybe, but a, a lot of it's been Zantana doing her... Sorry, Zatanna doing her mystical, magical, screw up your life over and over again thing. But a lot of it's also been she had an alien in her head in season eight. And then she also has had, you know, the, we don't know what she's been doing for seven months. I mean, the stuff with the Suicide Squad was only in after Thanksgiving. So you got to wonder where she's been underground for eight months and why, if she doesn't feel connected to her reporter route, she reached out to the... Uh, Chloe, or uh, Zoe and Clayton at the torch, you know, said thank you for carrying my torch and homecoming to the young reporters, you know, who are following in her footsteps. So if she was completely out of journalism, I think she wouldn't care anything about what's going on with the torch, let alone follow it. Well, I mean, I don't know if she doesn't care. I just don't think she... I think she knows it's not her job anymore. And I think reaching out to the reporters at the torch was passing the torch. I mean, no pun intended, but... Yeah. I'd that was totally intended. It, well, yes and no. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, again, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Nico, with the whole thing that they never realized that Chloe was going to take out her a life of her own like she did on this show and realized that this show could not function without her. I mean, as you said before... I really do think way back at the beginning, they didn't intend her to be around this long. And again, they didn't intend this show to go on for 10 seasons at all, either. So I really think a lot of this Chloe getting fired, a lot of this stuff that happened was just to keep the character on the show longer and keep the story going. And again, as we've talked about before ad nauseum in these live shows, 
is that there were points in this show where we really felt that Alan Miles, who were running things before Brian and Kelly, didn't know what they were doing or got burnt out and just didn't know which direction to go with the show. And thankfully, I don't know if I feel that's necessarily as true. Okay. I think that you can't hold season seven against. I don't think you can hold season six or seven against. Right. Because we know that behind the scenes, Kristen Kruk was trying to break her contract. She's trying to buy right. herself out of season six, right. and the network panicked. Right. And, and that's why they set up killing thing. And then season seven, everything got screwed up. I mean, all right. the network shows because of the writer's strike were really, you know, they couldn't tell their stories. I'm a huge Supernatural fan, and the Lilith arc over there was just not, it didn't work the same it should have if they had had a full season and they had had it paced out correctly. So Al Miles had their last job, and uh, they had to write 11 through 15 super fast to beat the strike start date, and they had to write the end really fast to beat this, you know, end date, and they were in the middle of negotiations with Crook and Rosenbaum and then Mac. So I think they really had a lot of things on their plate right. that didn't uh, come up expectedly in season six and seven, and I don't think we got to see where they would have taken the show and the end of the series in season seven as full as we would have if there had been a strike um, that year. So I think a lot of things like, oh God, help us all, sleeper with Jimmy Bond, <laughs> were yeah. things that came up, you know, out of we've got to keep writing, we've got to be fast, yeah. and not out of oh, we don't have any more ideas or stories left to tell. Because you could see where they were really trying to bring everything to this really good full-circle pitch with um, Veritas and bringing in stuff like Swan, like the Queens, like um, the Luthers all into one overarching organization that had been there since before Clark landed, which was a really great idea, but they didn't bring it up till episode 15 solidified in that way. So... Yeah. By the time the strikes, you know, happened, whatever their outline would have been, it was completely thrown out the window. So I really don't think that's as fair an assumption to see where they would have gone. And I don't know what would have happened in season six if Kruik hadn't tried to break contract, because all of a sudden they had to play out Klana and they had to play it out really quite fast. So, um, I don't know. Well, the other thing is, it gets, as for my training with being in screenwriting, that's kind of what my major is in, and it seems to be, from my understanding, and talking with people in the industry, the longer your show goes on, sometimes the harder it gets to come up with ideas. And the longer you do it, you end up getting burnt down. Which is what happened, basically, a good example of Supernatural, with Eric Kripke, he's taken a step back this year, because he, he said in a Comic-Con panel that basically he was getting tired. And he needed kind of his ideas to get a boost, or he needed some help. So he went to Sarah Gamble and those other people who are have taken over for him just because he was, you know, creatively burnt out. But it out. was different in this case with Alan Miles because the network and they got into a debate over right. um, contracts and right. uh, what they were going to be paid. So it wasn't like they wanted to leave. Right. It's like the network was going to cheap John them. So I think it's right. really quite a different story, not when you don't want to leave, but when you were basically forced out for lack of being uh, recompensed for your efforts, especially if you read the uh, note they left on the uh, Season 7 DVD pamphlet. I don't think they wanted to leave or ran out of stories. I think that they, you know, took the battle with the network and they and Warner and they lost. So, Well, and it's got to be really difficult to be able to write and come up with stories with all that drama going on at the same time. Yeah, but we also have to remember, for, Alan Miles had a five-year plan 
like Eric Kripke for Supernatural, and once they got renewed, they kind of were taken by surprise and didn't exactly know what to do with the rest of their time left. And they didn't know how long they were going to go or what they could and couldn't do. So they just kind of wung it a little bit. And thankfully, the people that they left behind in charge helped take their vision and eventually completed it in the end. And honestly, they should be just as proud as Brian and Kelly are at the end result that we're going to get this come May, in my opinion. Yeah, Wingster, I know that's what you said. That's why I said it. Yeah. And thank you, Wingster, for that suggestion about the five-year plan. That was a very good point that you made. Um, do we have other voicemails to play? Yeah, we do. I thought we were going to do more. I didn't want to, like, yeah. get to this big debate. No, I was... Yeah, and again, um, just so you know, Margaret, I mean, it's all good and fun here. We're, I mean, we're just discussing. I mean, we're not saying that, you know, you don't know what you're talking about or, you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, we're just... She obviously knows more than I do. Yeah. Uh, you can just tell by uh, your tone and your knowledge and just the fact that you can come up with that offhand. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a med student, so, you know, science is my thing. Not, um, the only training I have is watching, like, 30 hours of television a week for years. So, um, no, it's, it's great to hear you guys talk uh, and knowledgeable people talk and have a conversation. And I, was, I didn't say anything because I was just sitting back enjoying voicemail. See, that's what, that's what we're doing for you. We're putting on a show. So let's continue the show with some more voicemails. This is Craig from Los Angeles. And the uh, very best play moment of all time is season three or season four. Where she says the line, you trusted me. Yeah, I don't know. Did everyone catch that all right? Basically, the he... line, you trusted me? Yeah, yeah it's okay. from, um... It's from Blank. Oh, gosh, Scare in season four. The one where, uh... No. They get the fog, the release of bacteria from Luther Corps, and everybody has the visions. No, it's actually from Blank. C- Craig... Oh, you're right, I'm sorry. Craig, the one who did that, is my cousin, and, yeah... It's blank when uh, Clark lost his memory, and then, and then uh, he asked Chloe if anything was different, and she said that she tr- or he trusted her. So that's his favorite Chloe moment. I would say that's one of my favorite Chloe episodes. It's a great Chloe. Because that was the turning point for me, where I actually saw what Nico saw in Chloe, that she's that eternal best friend who accepts you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like tonight's little um, vignette of the two of them on the sofa really reflected that. Yeah. For uh, everything. I mean, I feel like that really uh, set up that idea that they trust her and have always trusted her and she, him. And I think that's just going back to that, how she was able to sort of be patient for, uh, for him and he's sort of learning to be patient for her now that she's off on her own.
Uh, yes, she left, and maybe he was so glad. But she's always done everything with his best interests in mind. Uh, and so I, I was kind of shocked by uh, uh, I'm breaking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> well, basically, did you, or did, tell me yes or no if this is what you were trying to go with here on this, Nico. Did you feel betrayed that Lois was the one that had to convince Clark to trust Chloe? Is that is that kind of around the lines of what you were saying? Yes. Okay. I think what that was is they were kind of trying to establish the dynamic that of where Lois and Chloe fit in with Lois being essentially Clark's wife at this point and Chloe being the best friend. How does that dynamic work? And so um, I really think that's what they were trying to establish. And I think that conversation that Clark had with Lois where he said he felt like they were going in different directions, I think if that was earlier seasons, he would have been having that conversation with Jonathan or Martha. You know, he would have had that conversation with family. And essentially, Lois has now become family. So I think that's where they were going for it with it on that. Again, that might have not been the right decision. I, I did think that, too, that that might upset people, but that's where I was coming from. And if anyone's got a okay. rebuttal to that, I'm open to it. I thought it was a little hard. I kind of liked that she was so supportive of Chloe. Yeah. Because we've seen Chloe in the past be so supportive of Lana and Lois. And a little bit even of Alicia, actually, once she knew the full story behind Alicia. But um, I've seen her be really supportive of the others. It was nice to see someone uh, get Chloe's back in that way and have it be her cousin who, you know, was like, you have to, you know, go with this. At the same time, I don't think that, you know, if Chloe were a boy, if Chloe, we were still dealing with Pete, there's a relationship that's very special between best friends that doesn't really get superseded by a wife or not a wife, especially best friends who've been with each other since they were 13 years old. So I think it could have been done with Allison Mack and Tom Welling and Chloe and Clark and been um, maybe even better just because they needed a lot of time to talk out their issues. And I think that having Lois be there because she's the future wife uh, undercut it a little bit. Although it is a sort of a toss-up between do you like to see Lois support Chloe for once or do you want to see, you know, the future wife set everything up? It's really sort of, you know, pick your poison. But, I mean, it had its good sides and its bad sides. Well, and and also, again, the dynamic between Chloe and Lois is really important to a lot of fans. And I know a lot of fans really enjoy that as well. So I get why, you know, they were trying to, I think they were trying to make everybody happy. So are you guys ready to move on to another voicemail? Sure. Alrighty. Let's play this last one. I hope this is the right one. I'm trying to... Hello, my name is Dee, and I'm calling from London. I uh, hope you father. Um, my favorite Chloe moment, I think, was in the episode Arrival. That's the 501, I believe it is. And it's at the moment where Clark is telling her the truth about himself, and he's worried that she won't accept him because he's an alien. But she tells him that he's more human than the rest of us, and that to her he's not a hero, he's a superhero. And I think in that moment, it cemented Chloe as my favorite character because she has such a 
Carlton and accepting Minshew and and I knew that she and Carl would be would be friends for life. And um, yeah, well, that's my favourite quote moment. And um, all the best to Alice and Matt, and I wish you a wonderful career and future after Smallville. Bye. Are you talking about the first person right now, Kawana Girl? The person's name was D. At least that's what uh, the the transcript of the voicemail said. Because we use Google Voice. And basically on Google Voice, they basically kind of do an audio transcript or they try to best type out what was said on text. And that said D. So we're going to go with that. D-E-E was the person's name. So we're going to go with that. And... Uh, Thoughts on that voicemail, everybody? Oh, me. I have always liked that scene. Um, it's another one of my personal favorites. I like it a lot. I think it feels really different than some of the other reveals you had. I mean, with Pete, he was completely suspicious, and that episode is, till the end, very, very difficult, very, you know, chaotic for Clark the first time he comes out, and his best friend is just sort of giving him these horrible looks and these accusations and things. And, you know, with Lana and um, Phantom, it felt so forced and so fast. Either I tell her or she leaves me. So I really enjoyed watching what happened in that moment. And it was just such a culmination of the five years or the four years you'd seen already on screen, the two of them, and just so much trust. And I love the line. And I think Dee was great to quote it about that. You're not just a hero, you're a superhero. So. And that was such a satisfying scene because we built up so long at the end of season four, for her finally to tell Clark that she knew and what kind of a special thing that was to her and just how monumentous it was for their friendship. So as someone who is both really big fans of this friendship, it was just a great feeling to get that finally after waiting so long for it and having to wait an entire summer as well. Did you, you want to add on to that, Michael? Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can, on Smallville, at least, that I can really compare what Chloe said to is the Jonathan Kent scene where he goes, um, you could be a mild-mannered farm boy or person, or you could be this superhero, and then, obviously, Dr. Fate's prediction. And out of all three of them, I'd say this one is probably my favorite because of not only how she words everything, but... Just it's so more impactful because you know Clark's dad is always going to believe in him, and the superheroes are always going to believe in him. But this is Chloe, the best friend, who is never going to back down, and I think that's more impactful than anything else. Very well said, there, Michael. Thank you. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah, the chat room is blowing up with love for that scene. Yes. Lots of hearts again. Indeed. The, the, it's the big indicator. I love the hearts. You get the love from the Smallville fans and with those hearts. Nice. Yes. Right on. Gowana Girls asks a really good question. What would have Clark done without Chloe? Interesting thought. <laughs> I could think of him sort of... I don't, I love Clark to death, but sometimes I feel like he needs just somebody watching his back. I mean, everybody needs yeah. a partner in things. I feel like he would have been in trouble a million times over without her really watching his back. Not because he's incompetent, but because everybody has this moment where 
someone gets the better of them or someone sneaks up on them or someone gets the drop on them. And it's always good to have, you know, the Robin to the Batman or whatever, just right. someone around the corner who's got you, you know, no matter what. So I think that he might have been sliced and diced in a lab by now without her. I mean, right. he almost was tonight, so. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, that is definitely very well said. And the other aspect of it, I think it makes Superman more human. Yeah, we can relate to him. I mean, the biggest complaint I always hear about Superman is, well, he's too powerful and he's an alien, and I, as you know, a comic book reader or whatever, can't connect with him. And him having Chloe kind of shows that he is technically the same as all of us because he needs someone to hold him up when he falls down or times are rough, and all of us need that. I used to be on that side of the argument, too. Like, I, as you know, I never really liked Superman. Right. I mean, I could stand him watching Justice League Unlimited or something like that. It was fine. But until he sh- showed me Smallville, until he showed me Justice, and I go back to that episode yeah. because that's what got me hooked. It was the heroes, but mainly it was how Superman was portrayed. And that's what got me into it. And, I mean, Chloe, she stood out to me, I think, more than even Clark did when you first showed me that episode. And it was because she was such an original character. Yes. But at the same time... You could fit so many characters together and create her out of them. Right. I mean, it's like Alfred, Barbara Gordon. I mean, it's like, it's all of them, really. It's all the best friend characters that you can think of combined. Yeah, it really is. Chloe is essentially the culmination of all those. And for her to be that person to Superman, she almost has to be the culmination of all of them. Because Superman's the greatest hero, and she essentially is the greatest ally yeah. to the greatest hero. I guess that's the best way to say it. And also, though, what people said about or I forget who said it, but what would Clark do without Chloe? I think it was Guana Girl, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, you just look to the comic books. I mean, she's never been around until very recently, and even then she didn't really have a role in Clark's life. Lana right. really took that role. I mean, it was Lana. Chloe in Smallville is essentially Lana in the comics. Right. I mean... That's the best way to put it, but it's not completely accurate at the same time. I don't want to say that, and then if people get mad at me, because that's not how I mean it. Right. But I agree with that, but again, that whole thing where you said it's like Lana in the comics, and I know some of you people, this is a frame of reference that you don't know so much about, but still, even when it comes down to it, Lana in the comics, and both on the television show, she did not do what Chloe mentioned tonight. You know, Chloe said that a true friend is someone who kind of accepts their love. I forget the exact way she said it, but she said it was like someone that doesn't keep asking what the secret is. That doesn't make you a very good friend. And Lana constantly throughout the series would say, you need to tell me your secret, Clark. Why aren't you telling me? And she kept getting upset. And Chloe never did that. Chloe remained the good friend. And even in the comics or whatever, Lana laying that character was never as noble as Chloe Sullivan, in my opinion. If anyone has a response to that, you're more than welcome to go ahead. Are we supposed to read emails? I'm just curious. Cause I like yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm going to... Like, I know we have some cool ones, so... Yeah. Michael sometimes gets me off track sometimes with his thoughts. Again, I'm, we're getting so much great stuff from everybody everywhere, it's really hard to keep track of everything. So we appreciate all that. But we are going to go... We're going to read uh, an email... The first one is from uh, 
Yasmin Begum. I hope I pronounced that right. And she said, I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing here with sending my memory. There are many wonderful Chloe Sullivan memories. However, for me, it's difficult to choose which favorite memory. Because actually, I like all her storylines. I love Chloe. Allison Mack does such an amazing job playing Chloe. She's heroic, a survivor, smart, snarky, funny, brave, and she's strong. As a fan, I'm grateful to her because I enjoy watching Chloe. She's simply beautiful. She's always been there for Clark from the beginning, helping him in shaping the dynamics and love and their friendship. Wow was the storyline epic when it came to the love triangle between Chloe, Jimmy, and Davis. They're loving her blossoming romance with Oliver and most importantly, their mission saving the world. I so adore Chloe and Lois, and they are awesome cousins who are as close as sisters. Chloe shows that they care a lot about each other and is dedicated to protecting Lois. Everything Chloe does is important, especially with Watchtower, by her keeping watch over the heroes, and she's doing great. I love that she is portrayed as kick-ass. It was all about protecting her friends and family. Allison Mack is such an inspiration. She's a phenomenal actress, and Chloe Sullivan is an enduring part of Smallville's legacies. She's an icon of legendary. Her journey is true hero. Thank you so much, Allison. You have done such an amazing job as the life of Chloe Sullivan. A thank you to the creators. The character of Chloe will be so missed. I love Smallville so much that Smallville is the best TV show ever. Thank you, Yesman. So anybody want to start out with a response to that? I mean, I don't know if I can say anything that hasn't already been said. Yeah, I know. Unspoken Bond... We'll, we'll go with what Unspoken Bond 1 said in the chat. Aw, that was an awesome email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else can we say, really? Yeah. It was deep. We got a lot of deep emails, guys. Yeah, I think our best bet, Dan, might be to just uh, read them, and unless something really sticks out to someone, uh, just move on to the next one, and we, we get to through a few or we get through uh, all of them, then we can comment on them as a whole or can bring up some of the topics that they uh, uh, bring up that we really like. Well, Nico, do you have the script in front of you? I do. Because you're done sounding like God now. So would you like to read the next email? Sure. Alrighty. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be emailing emailing you about one of my biggest inspirations, obsessions, Chloe Badass Sullivan. My first email was really long, and it was, so uh, we put the shorter one on here. Uh, My favorite Chloe moments. Well, I can't really choose favorite moments because there's too many, and so I'll just state the ones I remember off the top of my head. Uh, Yeah, that was a problem for a lot of us. Yes. Any moment where Chloe was snarky, uh, especially Chess. I think that was Checkmate she's talking about. I think. Uh, or is she talking about Tess and Chloe together? That's weird. I've never seen that I think it before. looks like T- Tess and Chloe together. Okay. I mean, not like that. I mean, I guess it could be like that. But uh, yeah. I think a lot from like whenever they had snarkiness together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chloe. Yeah. And Schleck's scenes. I, I assume that's Chloe and Lex scenes. Um, her snark is infectious and hilarious. I think it just adds to her badassery. I love made-up words, but that's awesome. <laughs> Funny moments. 
Uh, these are endless, especially with Clark. A couple that come to mind would be Season 9, Escape, when she gets possessed by the Silver Banshee, like I said, and walks into the shower with Clark and drops her towel. Too funny. The whole episode was hilarious. Season 4, Devoted. She drinks a love potion by accident, and she's devoted to Clark. She goes up to his barn dressed in Justice Football jersey and kisses him. I nearly died watching it. Of course, these are, are there are more but those were hilarious. Any moment where she kicks ass. It could be physically or intellectually. One of my favorite scenes, or fight scenes, were with her and Lana in, episode, in the episode Delete. She's not the best physical fighter, but when it comes to anything computer-related or protecting her friends, the chick will kick your ass nine ways to Sunday. Some things I admire about Chloe Sullivan. She is one of the most loyal people ever. She sacrificed an unbelievable amount of her life to help her friends, and for someone without superpowers or a costume, she definitely holds her own. I can list off what she does, or what she has done to protect the ones she cared about, but the email would never end and never get done typing. She doesn't let anyone stand in her way and will do what she can to make the world a better place. It's been amazing seeing, hold on, my computer froze. Uh, it's been amazing seeing her grow up from this kind of naive, love-struck teen to a strong-willed-minded woman who stands up for what she believes in. She has been completely relatable to, and I know it sounds dumb, but I can't see my life without the character Coley Sullivan. Smallville began showing when I was five years old. I started watching when I was eight. I'm 15 going on 16, and in those seven years, I have this person, this fictional character to whom I can look up to and kind of draw qualities from. I think Chloe Sullivan encompasses the person we want to be and the best friend we want to have. I said that exact same thing and I believe she hit the nail right on the head there. My inspiration, the woman who made me sit my tiny ass down on Thursday, now Friday, to watch a show about Superman growing up. But for me, it wasn't all about Clark Kent. It was about the tiny blonde who got him and many others through a lot of hell by giving up an insurmountable amount of herself, thus being vulnerable and strong, excuse my as F. I'm not going to say it on yes. the Um Allison Mack has portrayed Chloe Sullivan so epically, I cannot express it. I love her and her amazing work, and I wish her the best of luck with her journey ahead. Thank you for her giving us all this character we can believe in and love, no matter how many times Smallville tries to screw it up. Uh, to Allison Mack. Oh, yeah, to Allison Mack, do your thing, girl. Uh, in closing, I gotta say, Superman was one lucky alien. Uh, Alana owes. How do you say her last name, Dan? Uh, we're gonna try Sukai. I hope that's right. Works for me. Alana, okay. Alana Sukai. All right. Thank you for the email. All right. Yeah, that was great email. Also, that, thank you for taking the time to write such a gargantuan email. We appreciate that. Yeah, and that was the short version. It was Guana Girls' email, yes. too. That was Guana Girls. And she said that was how to pronounce her last name, so. All right. Okay. So we got it confirmed. Awesome. Well, thank you, Guana Girl. We appreciate that, and we appreciate your insight tonight. You've given us some great stuff. So do you guys want to just move on to the next one, and then we'll talk, converse at the end yep. of this? Okay. Michael, you want to take it away? Oh, I have two favorite memories of Chloe. 
sort of from opposite ends of the emotional spectrum. One, Chloe being snarky while still showing off that she has her own power, and Oliver needs to shut up and let her do her thing. Do I, and then parentheses, or uh, quotations, do I tell you how to shoot your arrows? I don't think so. That's from the episode Bloodline. And then two, Chloe teasingly hinting at her softer side when she makes, or for when she slowly moves away from the Friends with Benefits title as she's stuck on her relationship with Ollie. And then another quote, you better be careful, Ollie. I'm going to start to think you're falling for me. And that's from Checkmate. And that's from DarkWolfBlossom at AOL.com. Yes, that person did not give us their name, so we're going to call them DarkWolfBlossom at AOL.com for the purpose of this podcast. And uh, God, I love Chloe and Oliver's scenes in their relationship. It's a really great thing. It was a surprise for me as a watcher of the show, but I've loved it. It's something I really enjoyed. And it was really enjoyable tonight. Yeah. So with that, we're going to move on to our next email. Uh, Margaret, would you be up for taking it away with this email? Yeah, sure, no problem. Alrighty. Hi there. I think my favorite Chloe moment has to be from season five finale, Vessel. She's in the Daily Planet basement with Clark, and the world is falling down all around them. Clark wants to take her to safety, but she's more concerned that he saves the world first. However, just as he le- he's leaving, she realizes that she may never see him again. So Chloe runs to him, and they share the most passionate, heartfelt kiss in Smallville's history. I quite like that in the midst of all that selfless nobility, she's real enough to succumb to her feelings and to ensure that if the world's, if the worst did happen, the last thing she ever did was something totally worthwhile. Smiley face. Um, yes. Here's wishing the lovely and talented Allison Mack all the best in her career post-Smallville. Best regards, D. Hola, Depot. I probably really mangled that. It's, <laughs> it's all right. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either, so we'll just go with that. Uh, again, it's what, I know, Nico, you kind of stole her thunder on that, but I hope you guys keep the hearts coming about that kiss, because that is probably one of the best ones in Smallville history. Probably next to the one where Lois tackles Clark after he tells him her secret. That that would probably be second place. I do like the one in Crossfire, though. Yes. People hate me on the chat for liking Clovis. They're all well, it's Chloe like, oh, night, so we could always move on to the next email because we right. still got like four to go, I think. Yep. Yeah. 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 We're just taking a quick sidebar there. Um, I guess I'll take the next one. Well, and then we'll just keep going in a circle. Hey, my name is Chloe. Yes, believe it or not, this person who sent this email, his name is Chloe. So that's cool, and she is a rabid Chloe fan, and she's really looking forward to taking part in Chloe Fest, which she is doing right now. And she says, hopefully, it's not too late to send this. She said this today, but no, it was not too late. And she said, but before I do that, she would like to thank all of us for hosting Chloe Fest. She says it's a, a great way to honor such an amazing character and actress, and I am so happy to see an event like this being held to send her off properly fan-wise. We definitely agree with that. And she says, thanks for doing this. And she said, anyway, here's a couple of my favorite Chloe memories. One of my favorite Chloe moments was in 507 Splinter, where Chloe and Clark make up after Clark accused Chloe of betraying him while he was on Silver K. Chloe reassures Clark that she would never betray him, and then continues on to say that she would die before ever doing so. This is one of my favorite moments because I felt this was a very defining moment for both Chloe Sullivan and her friendship with Clark. We basically knew that Chloe would never betray Clark and would give her life for him. But to hear her say it to him 
and get to see his reaction. It was just a very beautiful thing. I think this moment was the moment that solidified the fact that Chloe's role in Clark's life and as a person had it officially changed. Another one of my favorite Chloe memories is from the episode 811, Legion, during the scene of the talent after Brainiac has been removed from Chloe. Chloe thanks Clark for not giving up on her, and then tells him that if there was no other way, she hoped he would have done the right thing and sacrificed her to save the world. This moment is such a great Chloe moment, because it really showed what a heroine she is. Even though we already knew she was, I felt this scene was different in a way, because it wasn't the usual Reed K. throwaway moment. It showed a different heroic side of Chloe, and I couldn't have been prouder of her in this moment. While those are my main two Chloe memories, I felt like sharing. Hopefully I did this right, and I'm sorry if they're a bit long. I know they were not. Thank you for that. And they were really different than some of the ones we had tonight. So we appreciate that. So with that, thank you, Chloe Birchell. So with that, Nico, you want to take it away with the next one? Indeed. One of my favorite Chloe Sullivan moments is her entrance to the Daily Planet in Season 5. The episode is called Thirst. Let's face it. Chloe Sullivan had the best Daily Planet entrance of all time on the show. It's the best simply because she earned it. To get to the ground floor of her dream, she had to work really hard. I'm sorry. She had to work really hard for it. Uh, She faced a huge challenge in the form of Pauline Kahn, the editor-in-chief. Pauline disliked Chloe immensely at first because of her deal with Lionel Luther in season three, and so Chloe had to really prove herself to the chief. The story she chose to work on isn't so easy either because it just screams tabloid story. But being a good reporter that she is, she backed her article with proper research, interviews, eyewitness accounts, CDC reports. Uh, she was able to prove to Khan that she were, she has the potential and that she deserves to work at the paper of record of kings, presidents, and not to mention future, future superheroes. My most favorite part was the happiness on her face when she was hired. The big smile as she carries her box of office stuff to her desk at the basement of the Daily Planet. And the perfect narration of the moment is just wonderful, especially when she said the iconic words, I got nowhere else to go but up, up, and away. Nice. Number two. Another favorite Chloe Sullivan moment of mine is when she made that very heartfelt speech to Jor-El to restore Kara's memory in the episode called Traveler in season seven. Alison Mack was just amazing in that scene. Her delivery was so much, has so much conviction, and her acting is just really believable. She was fantastic. Her speech was so genuine and heartfelt that Jor-El listened to her and restored Kara's memory. That's Chloe Sullivan. She makes things happen. Smiley face, or I think something like that. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what the scene that is being talked about, there's a YouTube video Dan will put in the ACC feed. Yes. Uh, uh, number three, and yet another favorite Chloe Sullivan moment of mine, uh, the one that made uh, me teary-eyed in the episode Lazarus in season 10. I have to say that it's always a favorite of mine when Chloe gets to save the heroes. Moments such as in this episode, Solitude, that is in the episode Solitude, where she saves Clark from Brainiac in the fortress. Also in the episode Quest, where she saved him from the Teague. In Wither, where she freed Clark from the vines of the Zoner, and so on. In a sense, she became the hero of the superheroes. But I think my most favorite 
and the most moving heroic act of Chloe Sullivan, in her opinion, or in this person's opinion, uh, is when she exchanged her freedom for Oliver's and Lazarus. It just goes to show how much she's willing to sacrifice so that her superheroes can do what they need to do to help save the world. She's so brave and courageous. I think Allison Mack pretty much summed up Chloe in this quote. I love how tenacious she is, and I love how loyal she is, and trustworthy and intelligent and brave. But she's so brave. She's so brave, and she does these outrageous things because of her commitment to her best friend. And I think that's so honorable, and I love the fact that she's a woman in a man's world, and she doesn't let that stop her in every aspect, in journalism and in the hero world. She's a really strong girl, and she holds her own, and I think that's pretty awesome. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Unspoken Bond, a.k.a. Mercy Castro. Yes, and thank you for taking the time to write that email. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And, Nico, if you need to get a drink of water, you're more than welcome to do so. Thanks for being a trooper on that one, man. Yeah, sorry for my uh, broken reading. Uh, I kept having to scroll down. That's cool. We understand. All right, so real quickly, Michael, take it away. All right. <clears throat> Has to be her... Oh, wait a minute. That's okay, it starts. starts there? Yeah. Has to be her... Yeah. Hiring at the Daily Planet as a reporter. It was the... I don't even know what that word is. Culmination. Culmination of years of her hard work through school and university, and it paid off. The show doesn't have... It doesn't often match real life well, or at all, but Chloe and this way is the closest that has ever come to, into doing so, and showed a touch of realism and heart that has been sorely lacking since then. I know it's Hollywood and characters don't have to do the right things, like go through university and hard work, but when they do, they mean all the more to audience members who respond to heart and soul like that. Regards, Vera. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think that really sums up the whole Chloe joining the Daily Planet nicely and was a nice build-up over the five seasons. Well, it also that was going on. It also sums up that Chloe is essentially a member of our normal society, like not just a Hollywood character. Yes, exactly. I agree with that. That's really great stuff. All right, Margaret, do you want to take it away with our last one? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, this is actually short, so I win. <laughs> yeah. My favorite Chloe moment is Arrival, when Chloe assures Clark she's not going to tell anyone his secret. It's my favorite moment in Smallville, actually. What are your thoughts about that scene looking back? Nancy Nemeth, which we already kind of covered, but cool yeah. thing. Right. Well, we, I mean, again, that was a highly favorited, favorite oh, Chloe yeah. memory. So, um, and I think it was mentioned twice throughout these emails. So, yep. Definitely a good one. We also got a quick tweet on that one from Monica OP, who said her favorite Chloe memory is Vessel, where she lets. Clark go in terms of having a relationship with them that thinks it's more important to save other people than her. Should we read that? Yeah, and also we got real quick, we'll just go through the tweets real quick too. We only ended up with three of them. There might be more. Uh, we'll have Michael check on that real quick. But we got one from Kiss Me My Fool, Sandra. And it says her favorite Chloe moment was Thirst, wherein she gives her monologue, which I talked about before and Margaret and everyone talked about earlier, about working at the Daily Planet as we see her go to her desk and say that great up, up, and away line, which I'm hoping we'll get to maybe hear her say again before she leaves Smallville. 
And then we got one from Wingster55, who joined us tonight in our chat room and gave us some great thoughts. And Wingster said that their favorite memory is going toe-to-toe with both Lex and Lionel through seasons three and five. And yes, those are great scenes. Again, those are three great actors. We, they get together. We really get some great material. So oh, definitely cool. I'm down with that. We need Rosenbaum back. And yes, we do need Michael Rosenbaum back. Absolutely. Yes. No question. And it would be nice to have a scene with him and Allison back, but I doubt that's going to happen. Not at this point, no. Yeah. So, any thoughts on the email? Anything that comes to mind or anything um, any, you wanted to comment on? Go ahead, Margaret. I was hoping that one of the emails, I had forgotten which one said which, but I had two things that I really love from the episode Abyss, actually, that had come to mind as we went through all the reading and bring up the Chloe memories. Yeah, go ahead. And the first one that I love is, and this is my favorite moment, is um, she realizes she's losing, I think it's probably basically when he goes into, when they're sitting in the loft and she's realizing how much she's losing and how she doesn't want to lose her memory of him because it's like her most important one and he is like, I have to go see Jorel about it. I think the big thing in that whole episode to me is that she's willing to have her mind stripped. Not die, but have her intelligence, her sense of self, everything that is about her stripped away so that Chloe doesn't have to deal with any of Jarrell's wrath. So it's not just like, you know, she died for him in Fracture last year or in season seven. Yeah. It's like she's going so far as to let something else take her mind, which is her greatest fear because of how her mother ended up. So I think that's just a level of sacrifice I can't imagine another character going through for Clark. But the other one that sort of is reciprocal is where he goes to the fortress at the very end and asks Jarrell to fix her and sort of you know, does his speech and says, you're the best friend and ally a person could ever hope for and gives her that kiss on the forehead. And I think both moments really show how much he'll give up for her and she for him. So I think those are both a really beautiful moment or moments from a really gorgeous episode. So I think uh, Don Whitehead and Holly Anderson did a great job with that one. Yes, I agree with that. And just, I mean, it's, it's incredible the sacrifices that Chloe Sullivan has made with this show. And really essentially... Yes, I mean, she keeps saying she's making these sacrifices for Clark, but she's really making these sacrifices for the world so that the world can love Clark in the way that she loves him. And that's just, it's its just an incredible thing. I mean, there's so much love in Chloe Sullivan that it's just, it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, there's actually a little chat right here that I'd like to read. Go ahead. Because it's just, it's really cool. Uh, Hoshi Reed. Um, said that uh, her most uh, memorable moment is that her daughter told her that, I know Lois Lane is grandma's role model and family inspiration, but can I grow up to be like Chloe Sullivan? And she said, And she said that her daughter told her that when she was eight, which was two years ago, and she had only watched up to season five at that point. That's awesome. So... Just wanted to share that because that's that's really cool. Well, that's a good person to aspire to be. It's a great role model. Mm-hmm. People in the chat, give us something to talk about. Yes, tell us your favorite memory <laughs> as well. Margaret, people are commenting on your thought about Abyss. So, oh, good. Yeah, really excited about that. <laughs> but it it is it's kind of amazing how. Chloe Sullivan is a character that's gone outside of the television 
to really be someone a lot of people have aspired to. I know, Margaret, you can relate to that with everything you guys do at Legendary Women, Inc. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a lot of how it started. I mean, it's it's definitely grown to its own charity, and we're working on getting our 501c3 status, so it's different than just a fan group now. Yeah. But it feels like it came out of just this really great love and inspiration by a character who really, you know, did show you what you could do by being smart or by really working hard. And like you said, how much, it was amazing how much love she has to give. And it really is, um, I think it was, was it Unspoken Bond who sent in the part about Lazarus? You know, she'll give up her life, her identity for someone else to make sure he can go out and save the world. Or she'll give up her her life or her freedom or her mind for, you know, Superman, basically. I mean, he's not Superman yet, but he's pretty close. You know, you, you see what she'll do for people and the end she'll go to, and it's really amazing to watch. And, you know, I know that back in season two, even I had moments where I was like, oh my god, I remember what, or I was, like, I guess maybe 18 at the time, so I was like, I yeah. know what it's like to be 15, but oh my god. Yeah. And you see this girl who's really, really grown up from just your usual sort of you know, hormonal 15-year-old or someone who has those moments we all wish we could take back from when we were 15 and someone who's really just grown into this amazing woman with presence and intelligence and grace and heroism. And it's just, you get to see that unfold over 10 years. And you don't really get to do that with a lot of characters because, you know, A, shows don't usually go that long. Right. And, you know, you just grow up with someone like that over a decade. So I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And the other thing is, yes, she was very grown up, but... Again, I also enjoyed how the show did show some of her own faults as well, with her kind of getting into bed with Lionel and all the trouble that that led for her in season three. Oh, yeah, and I think she had to learn a lot from that, to learn, you know, what she would or wouldn't do, where her lines were, you know, how to get things the correct way and not the easy way, and, you know, how what ethics she'd go to as a journalist. You know, you don't get in bed with the guy who'll just get you a column or something. I mean, not, I mean, metaphorically. I think that really trained how she was going to be with the rest of her life and career, never go to that dark place again where she was near a Luther-like fat. Yeah, and that really pertained to her feelings for Clark, which spawned some of our people in the chat to mention one of their favorite Chloe moments, which is the letter that she read to Clark in fever when he was sick and somewhat dying in that episode. Uh, That was back in season two, if you remember that episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, the fever letter. Okay. I, yeah, I think I've always found that letter amazing. I just, yeah. I think it's so. I mean, because it's Chloe, it's always so articulately written and so honest. But I love, I just love how real it is that she has this whole confession of how much she loves him and how much she cares about him, and she still is so nervous and so so worried about changing. And, you know, getting rid of the masquerade she's living in that she can't say it to his face. So she, she does her Chloe Ripcord avoid emotional intimacy thing and just reads the letter. But I thought it was so such a comparison between her and Lana, the two types of girls there, because Lana couldn't bear to be with him when he was at his sickest. And she goes in there and is sitting there with him by his, you know, what could have been his deathbed. And I always really admired her for that because it's so hard to do when you're so young. I mean, still just like 15 or 16 and sitting there watching what could be your friend dying, especially when she's never seen him sick before. And it was just, you know, it was a really lovely, beautiful sentiment. And I don't think anybody who saw that has ever forgotten how lovely that is or how deep her love, whether you want to call it platonic or whatever, goes for Clark and how much she cares about him. So, And I think that was a big thing in terms of Allison 
showing us as the audience watching this show her chops as an actress. I mean, she performed that scene where she read that letter beautifully, and that really showed, I think it was the first time, maybe our fans, and, and it could have come a little bit before, to show the potential that she had a character that was going to take on a life of its own. I mean, that was our first glimpse of just what a potential as to what Chloe Sullivan was going to explode into, I guess. Not, not Chloe really should just said. What? Cause you're all I want. You're all I need. You're everything. Michael just had to sing a few everything. bars of uh, it's a few bars of Lifehouse. Like he always does on the live show. Uh, I kind of got some laughs. Sorry to interrupt you, Margaret. What did you want to say? Oh, I think I know. I, I didn't have much to say, but I just think okay. that like. I don't know, I think the good part about that scene is that, yeah, Allison is so good in it that when Chloe starts to cry, I think your whole, then he says Lana's name, your whole, like, the heart, your heart drops into your throat. You just feel like you've been yeah. a sucker punched as she has been. So, and that, I think that takes a lot of talent to make you see that and just go, oh my God, I can empathize right. completely with this situation. Yeah, and that really is a heartfelt scene. And I was glad that they brought the letter back in later seasons. But that whole plot line with Jimmy and everything like that. I'm just not happy about that letter coming back later. You were not happy about that? No, just uh, reading the uh, chat room, everybody oh. is saying that they, they do not like that, that they came back letter, later with um, uh, Jimmy finding it and becoming jealous of it. Right. I didn't like Jimmy's reaction to it, but I felt like it was a great thing to have Chloe confront some of those feelings. That was the interesting aspect of it. Jimmy getting jealous was not so great, but I did like that they thought of the notion that she needs to confront those feelings and what it was. And I think they fixed the issues with that episode down the line when it was an escape last season where Chloe had to kind of explain to Oliver her feelings for Clark after Clark kind of got Oliver confused uh, how he should express her feelings for uh, how he how he should express his feelings for Chloe. I don't know why would she would have even kept that letter. That's what I keep wondering. Why would she keep that if she didn't have feelings for Clark like that anymore? Anybody want to respond to that? Which in committed, it's proven she doesn't. Um. Yeah. You know. I since she wrote it. I, I don't know about keeping it, but um, I know that people keep love letters even though those um, relationships have ended. Uh, when you when you invest that much time in a relationship or uh, have such strong feelings, it's often hard to totally divorce yourself of it and get rid of everything. Because sometimes later in life you want to look back on it and it will bring up happy memories even though you've moved on. Uh, you can still look back and remember the good times that you spent with someone special in your life. So, you know, sometimes people keep those things just for that. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's kind of like Batman's trophy room. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a trophy, or maybe I don't. I don't know the illusion as well because <laughs> I I never read comics. Um, right. I mean, I did read uh, Superman True Brit, but that was mostly because it was kind of funny. Um, yeah. But 
I think it's more that the interesting part is when the episode actually ends, and this is fever, I mean, Lana has the letter. She found it and took it out of the garbage. I can't remember if it got back to Chloe or not, but I think that however it got magically back to Chloe, that um, maybe she scooped it back up. I don't know. I think it's part of, like, keeping something you love and keeping something that's about yourself. But also, I don't think those feelings ever completely died out. I think Jimmy had a reason to be jealous for one thing and for another I think anybody who sits down and watches Beast and hears her say, you know, everything I've ever done, right or wrong, I've done for you, is yeah. not only sincere and a beautiful sentiment, but I think that's the words of a woman who really loves someone. And again, you can debate whether it's platonic or family or romance, but I mean, I love to hear that, uh, I think it was Don Whitehead had a quote when he was in the season seven book that um, Craig Byrne did um, on the companion right. side of the stuff, where it's... Um, you know, her love is is transcendent. And I think that's the feeling you get, that the fever letter is part of reminding you how transcendent her emotions and her love for Clark are. However you want to call it. And Whitehead said himself, it's like, you know, it could be platonic, it could be romantic, but it's a transcendent love. And I think the fever letter is a, is a big symbol of that transcendency. Yeah. And I also think they realize that, I think Chloe realizes that there's more important things at stake in the world than her and Clark being together. Again, that kind of complicates things in my head as to why she's at Ollie with Ollie, because essentially Ollie has to make the same sacrifices as Clark does. So that doesn't really make sense as to why she wouldn't go with that relationship. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess at the time, Coley felt she needed to make that sacrifice, and since she already did way back in season five, she just needed to keep going with it. I guess that's the best way to explain it to myself. Also, kind of about the letter, I think she kept it... Because I get the sense that Chloe's a very sentimental individual. I mean, look at tonight's episode. I mean, immediately when she was in Clark's house sitting there, she went to the pictures looking back on fonder times. So I think she's also very sentimental. Do you guys agree with that? I think she's really on her own core an emotional person and someone who has a lot of very deep feelings, but I think that she also puts up this amazing front and shell around herself. I think she's been so injured because especially of her mother leaving her when she was so little that, and in all of Clark's Lana drama in high school, that she really has these deep emotions and these deep memories and cherishes and she hides it a lot from the world. So yeah, I can definitely see her being that one to look in on the pictures of her and Pete and stuff back in the day, but then sort of shuffle it away when Clark walks in. I thought that was actually pretty um, exemplary of how she, of how a good example of how she is. Yeah. And again, you know, it's it's funny. I, the way kind of Lois asked her to be her maid of honor. I loved her expression, where she didn't say anything, and it was almost like she was struggling not to smile with her excitement. You know, she's always kind of. Again, with that shell, it kind of always reserves her. You know, she wants to burst out with energy, but she knows she needs to pull up her composure. But I love that. It was just such a Chloe thing with that smile she had at the end of the, of the episode. Mm-hmm. At least she didn't ask Lana. At least Lana's gone. We're not going to get started on that trade right now, Michael. This is Chloe Fest. We're celebrating Yes, go on, girl. Her her smile was awesome in the episode. 
Tom Welling also has an awesome smile. They're kind of hoping that's the last shot of the series. You know, he's got the he does the Paul Christopher Reeve smile, Tom Welling style wise, would be awesome. So just gonna correct you there. No, yeah. Tom Welling smile. So, I guess I guess that's what they did when they casted Smallville. They just went with people who had great smiles. I love what Sam Watts' piece said. Smallville actors have really nice teeth. <laughs> yeah, why do? Why does Lana and Clark look like they're vampires sometimes? Because they have those pointed teeth. Because they were. Well, no, Lana was. No, Lana was. Clark was never a vampire. Yeah. Clark's in power. He's a vampire. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I, I don't know if Smallville fans are too excited to talk about vampires. Lana kept her fangs. Yeah. She never truly went back. Anyway. Yeah. And that is a great... People are just talking about how excited they were, how nice it was to see Allison back, back in the opening credits. Yeah, I love that they have the um, second set for her, and they, I just really think it's how they value her on the set as an actress, that they, they cut a second credit and gave her the honorary Anne title, and I thought that was really amazing, and when they put her back in the credits, I did get a very squeeful moment. I mean, heck, when she first walked, I mean, it was cheesy and matrixy, when she first walked through yeah. the wall of bad CGI. <laughs> Uh, I was like, it's Chloe, she's back, and then she's into her, you know, Chloe, and you're like, it's like you never left. Yeah, I I was so weirded out about everything that was going on, with her walking through walls and stuff, and then, you know, they kind of perceived her as she was the bad guy. I was kind of, like, a little, like, frustrated at the beginning of that episode, because I'm just like, what is going on? Why are they doing things this way? You know, I, I mean, it just was not the return of Chloe that I expected at all. Um, and, and then in the end, there turned out to be what it was, but I never imagined that Chloe, I mean, Chloe Sullivan was going to return to Smallville by walking through a wall and being like a computerized projector, projection of herself. I just never fathomed that happening when we went into this episode. Well, remember my theory. I thought she had taken all the League's powers when they lost all of theirs for a second. Yeah. She's using Martian Manhunter's power to walk through walls. Yeah, that's true, too. That's what I thought. And a lot of people are agreeing with what you said earlier in the show, uh, Margaret, that they they just thought that, that they, they agreed with you on the cheesy CGI. Um, I think that's really just saving money for this big epic finale that we're going to get, I, I oh, assume. Oh, yeah, I'd rather, like... I mean, I just had to laugh, because it's a small moment yeah. when you get, you know, fat-sucking vampires or whatever and you're just like okay I'll roll with it I mean I mean that's back with Amy Adams in season one and you're like wow that's embarrassed on your resume yeah. but whatever and you're like that's yeah. some of those CGI but I'd rather save it for like the finale and all the flight stuff that'd be like yeah that wall looked a little rubbery to me but yeah, yeah it, was, it was a little silly but it was kind of I mean it was silly but it was fun right. so I mean it was like a fun cheesy well in the fly I didn't think it was terrible no the flying was great yeah. Are you kidding? That was great. I liked the flying. Yeah, I, I did too. I thought that was good. I felt like I was a Christmas tree. I lit up. Sam Watts P says their special effects are worse than the ones of the Power Rangers. I don't know about that. <laughs> if you saw the Doomsday suit, it totally yeah. was once upon a time. That was so Power Rangers, but... That, that first seed, yeah. Doomsday on Power Rangers. That would be an awesome crossover. Oh my gosh. 
Don't start Giant Doomsday versus Megazord. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and, and I'm a little scared that that's what they're going to do with Darkseid. Like, I don't want that. I heard it's supposed to be, like, CGI over a person. So it's... it. I'm expecting almost like a Hulk, but, like, obviously, like, 2003 Hulk, not 2008. So it won't be as good, but it won't be terrible. That's kind of what I'm expecting. I don't know. Uh, that's what What'd I you guys think of the dead shot effect? That was cool. He's he's pretty badass. I kind of love that moment because all of a sudden it's like it just feels like that moment. The whole episode was saves on top of saves. Like she's getting the JLA out, but then they have to run from the the government coming in. And but then it's like you get this sort of even if they're sort of being forced to do it and are being blackmailed into it. The um, Suicide Squad, you get the Suicide Squad and the JLA helping everybody out, and you see Diana saving Chloe, and you see Deadshot who's. You know, the shots were pretty awesome. I did like that, yeah. pardon the pun, the bullet time look to the to the two bullets, you know, stopping the guys from shooting Chloe. I thought that was really cool. I just like to, after this long Suicide Squad arc that we've had with Flag coming in a lot and Deadshot coming in a lot, I liked being able to see, you know, the two teams together. Because even right. though one side is definitely flat-out terrorists, you get the, you know, you get that look where you have these two sides that are both, Vigilantes, to some degree, have been both targeted by the government, and you know what would be definitely ACLU violations, um, and you know horrible ways getting together, and at least they can come together. Sort of the enemy of my enemy is my friend right. moment, and I think that kicked a lot of, of, of ass. So that was really fun, yes. a lot, and I felt like I got a lot of action out of my episode for my money. Like it wasn't a slow moving one, really. Well, talk about uh, kicking some ass. I would say that fight scene between. Black Canary and Chloe was pretty awesome. It was really fun. Yeah, she never definitely. gets to be physical, you're right. And it was very fun to see her do that in a world where Dinah doesn't have her powers and Chloe has obviously been all morpheus out superpowered lines. Well, that line she said about uh, getting Dorothy out of the land of Oz, that, that was awesome. awesome. I like how she had an Alice reference, too, which is such a big yes. part of the original Matrix, too, or as, like, the red-blue build red pill and blue pill and all that stuff so they definitely got their literature on this week well i would i would have bought it if chloe even made a matrix reference because she's always referencing stuff from all over the place they probably want you to think their stuff was original like that time they ripped off saw and then that time they ripped off saw again um, or that time they ripped off watchmen or Buffy hey, the I, Vampire's didn't, Slayer. I, didn't, I didn't mind ripping off watchmen i like the that they rip off the hangover yeah basically they made the they want Watchmen you to better. think it's original. They they made the Watchmen better. Yeah. By not by not referencing it directly, they were referencing it. Yeah. You know, because it was so obvious that it was Matrix Matrix esque that you know, they didn't have to say something about the Matrix. And maybe then like Margaret said, mentioning the whole Alice in Wonderland thing was the Matrix Well, I just thought it was fitting on the night of Chloe Fest that they portray uh, Chloe as the one. I almost felt like she's more of a Trinity character because she's the one who already knows how it works and is coming into their world. Right. And, you know, you since two-fisted shots and you can compare it to Carrie Ann Moss and Stills and things, but I feel like you can... Um, I just see her being sort of the trinity to, gosh forbid, all of us in that horrible black coat last year, Clark's Neo, and yeah. that's kind of fun. 
That's you know. true too. She was uh, essentially Trinity because she was the woman, but also much uh, of the character of Morpheus. If you were to take the two and combine them, because of the um, the the true faith in Clark, uh, like Morpheus and Neo, and then the um, uh, kind of uh, badass woman uh, like Trinity. So I'd I'd say it's almost the two of them together, wouldn't you? And Alice. Yeah, I mean, it has that. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just saying the Alice rolling down the rabbit hole reference is that Morpheus essentially said that in the Matrix. See, there you go. Yeah. Never seen the Matrix. <laughs> Michael hasn't seen the Matrix, so now he's curious. Really? Uh, that well, is don't a watch crime. the other two. Don't tell them there are sequels. <laughs> right. There aren't sequels, guys. They never happened. It's okay. But there are yeah. multiple seasons of Smallville that we're watching. I'm 15. I haven't seen everything yet. That's one of those movies you're going to have to see. Oh my gosh, you'll be like, oh, I've seen this scene a million times and you never realized it was parodied from The Matrix. Because like, after it came out, every single movie ever was like, we're going to do bullet time too and then it will look amazing. <laughs> and like, it got to scary movie and you're like, okay, <laughs> we're done. So, but no, you definitely got The Matrix effects going on full force and this episode that was clearly The Matrix. Although it had... A little flavor, maybe just a tiny bit of inception in it, just like where you, yeah. the optics knew they saw you, you had to like be very careful that they didn't find you, which is also a little bit of Agent Smith, but you, you had that slight flavor right. to it, so you could still a little bit of both, but definitely Neo or Trinity Chloe out there kicking some butt. Which yeah, is Chloe Fan123 said, well, the Matrix was cool when Michael was five. Yeah. <laughs> Well, find that. I also bought Chloe whipping out the guns and shooting those guards because they were essentially not real. What? Yeah. So, yes. Oh, yeah. It, that, uh, those guns were kind of scary. All these people are yelling girl fight with stuff. And, you know, Chloe's had quite a few throwdowns with people on the Smallville throughout the history of the show. Hydro. Well, on Delete. It Delete. I love Hydro, though. Delete with the fire axe and Lana and... Yeah, but she throws the woman into the car and she explodes into water. How can you beat that? Oh, yeah, that's true. Forgot about that one. I, that's pretty That sweet. character, that villain annoyed me, though. Well, she annoyed the me, water. too, but to see yeah. her, like, explode was awesome. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, Persuasion with Tess. So, that was a pretty good fight. I mean, I always, yeah. again, I always like watching Tess and Chloe together. They're so fun. Mm-hmm. Well, sacrifice. That's that's enough said regarding Chloe and Tess. Oh, it's almost like just snarkarama, just being really sn- snippy with each other. And you're like, wow, I didn't, you know, Allison and Cassidy get more scenes over the over the two or three. I mean, the two years they were both full cast members together because they're really great, and it's really it was really always very fun to watch. Like I, I sacrifice. I'm, well, maybe I could skip the candy and stuff because it's kind of boring, but yeah. I could definitely watch them just going at each other and making all the catty remarks. It's, it's very funny. Yeah, it definitely. Ahead, yeah, it's funny that you say that you, you like um, the the Chloe and Tess scenes and uh, Allison and Cassidy scenes because for a long time Dan and I had a lot of uh, issues with Cassidy Freeman's portrayal of Tess. I, we, I think it was more the the Tess character we didn't care for, but. Dan and I have uh, apologized to her on our podcast because in this season she has um, grown on us and we have actually 
uh, begun to actually um, enjoy the character now. Um, so uh, I, I think I have to go back and watch some more of the early scenes and see if it was just uh, I didn't like the character or what the case might have been, because uh, originally I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the character. Um, I feel like yeah. making her Luther feels so natural. Like, I wish they had done that as the long-lost Luther sister sometimes in season eight. Like, I really, yeah. she just feels so Luthorian and was written to be so Luthorian yeah. that just making her that instead of like, now I'm a checkmate agent. Now I'm not. Now I'm the editor of Daily Planet. Now, I mean, it felt so yo-yoed back and forth. So who was she supposed to be until we got to, you know, oh, she's Lionel's bastard. Yeah, I think that's what our issue was with the character was we never really knew where she fit in and how it all came together or what what her purpose was. Um, and so we were kind of like, exactly like you were saying, um, you know, one, one week she's this, another week she's that. You can't ever get a feel for her. But now that we kind of understand yeah. what happened, it kind of makes a lot more sense now. And I think the big, at least the turning point for me, was that scene with her and Chloe when they were held up in the watchtower it sacrificed, and they both thought they were going to die. That was pretty sweet, yeah. That, I mean, that, for me, was the turning point, and that was the point where I think Tess began to see her purpose and her direction. And also showed Chloe that she could ultimately take her place as Watchtower, which she was forced to leave at the beginning of this season. You know, I mean, Chloe was the first one to have faith and tests, I guess, beyond everybody else. And the fact that Chloe made that decision to save her life and sacrifice was a big thing, too. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it was it was an interesting way to play out um, all that stuff from Savior and make an echo out of the, uh, the visions Lois had had where in that world Chloe literally did kill Tess with a bow and arrow or whatever. But I thought it was an interesting way to play it and to be like, okay, I have to keep you alive because I'm a good guy and that's the way we roll. But, you know, don't make me and mine feel bad. And, you know, don't, you know, where she did the right thing, even if it might have endangered the league, just because that was the right thing to do with Tess. Yeah. So that was interesting. Now, do you think, uh, I'll ask you this, Margaret, do you think that Chloe flirted with her dark side a little bit last season? Um, I feel like they wrote her darker than they ever had, except for part of the Lionel arc and, like, the end of season two when she makes her deal with him. Okay. I felt that it was a much darker season for her. Um, I mean, I felt like in season eight you knew why she was doing things because she had, um, Brainiac in her head and right. playing with her. But I feel like last year was just different. And I think a lot of that was forcing her into a place she really didn't, um... I don't think she really was meant to be. I think a lot of the sh show was selling us that, you know, she wasn't really designed to be Watchtower. I mean, as good as she's been at saving the heroes this week, that Watchtower really isn't the role she's supposed to have. But frankly, it's too much power for one person to keep. Right. Which I feel like when we get to the end of the series, they'll set up how they have it on JLA Animated, where it's like on a rotation. Like, A, it's, it won't be on Earth because it's too dangerous to get, like, bound up yeah. to be it'll be a rotating position so nobody has to feel that much power and that much isolation at once because I think like especially in Hostage she was talking about how isolated she was and how much she didn't enjoy it and how it just wasn't the place she wanted to be and I felt like in Legend I'm um, sorry Absolute Justice the second half you know uh, John 
uh, Marsha Manhunter's flat out telling her this isn't the place for you, it's not healthy for you, it's not the place that you should be. And I think that going to that world of Watchtower and shutting herself off for a year and mourning wasn't good for her. It wasn't it wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't good for the character. It really it wasn't healthy. I think what really has made me hopeful for her coming back in season 10 is that, you know, when Hostage said, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, she got back onto it for salvation for like a one last rodeo. But I think that her purpose was never really Watchtower, and that's frankly too much power and too much responsibility for one person to have. I mean, even Tessa and Emile seem to be splitting it up a little bit here and there. I just feel like she was so isolated and so alone that it's nice to see her have a chance to be out, have a chance to go back to her dreams, to touching up to real people now and not being her. So I feel like season nine went in a direction where they were just trying to show you that, yeah, Chloe could try to be Oracle or, you know, Barbara Gordon in this way, but it wasn't ever going to work. And, you know, people like John could see that. She could see it in herself, but it just wasn't something for her. So I'm kind of excited to see where they're going to take her even though we only have three more Chloe apps to go, I just want to see where she'll go and, like, how she'll match up more with her comics counterpart and how she'll sort of find her bliss. Because I think she was pretty miserable last year um, and just wasn't in the place she wanted to. It was supposed to be. Well, I liked your your theory about the rotation because then if Chloe is on a rotation and she has to work watch Tara, let's say, maybe once a week or so, then she has plenty of time to be able to work as a reporter then. So that fits your theory perfectly. I just feel like that's how it worked, I guess. I I watched a lot of the JLU animated and I loved it. I just like how they would give people shifts. Because I think having to be like, watch all of Earth and all superheroes at all times would just be so frying for anybody. I I agree with that, definitely. Um, And and JLU, it talks about the dangers of having that much power. Especially in the second, is it the second season? Where the government's all paranoid about the heroes? I think it gets later than that. I Isn't swear, I've seen okay. the first two seasons, but when it gets... Re- yeah, I guess when it's JLU, it's like the end arc, right. where they really do get paranoid, and you, you, you bring in... Um, oh, goodness. I remember her name. Pam Greer played her last year. Whatever. Uh, Amanda Waller. Yeah, you bring yeah. in Amanda Waller again there, and she was really scary there. But yeah, yeah, I feel like you need a rotation at Watchtower. You can't just be like, okay, Dinah, your turn, or... You're going to be Watchtower now forever. Okay, Tess, you're going to have this job until you're, you know, 85. I don't think it's good for anybody emotionally to be, like, the eye in the sky, the big brother type. I don't I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's just too much pressure. I mean, right. you think about uh, people who are um, control tower operators for planes and stuff, and they just, you need a break. <laughs> so I think right. that. Hopefully, when they finish up in the series, you'll get like maybe a flash of the future, and it's just on a rotation, so everybody has to sort of pitch in and do that job. Well, you know, next week with that, you know, the episode being Beacon, I mean, with that with that title alone, I feel like a lot of next week's going to be not just Clark, but the other characters figuring out their place and understanding what exactly their powers or their roles in the world mean, and so that may come up next week or a few episodes down the road where Clark fully embraces his secret identity, um, I think a lot of these issues could bring be brought up down the road. So that's a really great theory you've got there. By the way... Yeah, no problem. By the way, it's... According to our chat room, you seem to be having something in common with Chloe Sullivan now because a lot of people are saying that you are their hero because you <laughs> think, like... The Chloe fans that are, I guess, that I guess are in the chat room. So, 
They are definitely giving you the love here. Well, I'm blushing, so that, that yeah. actually works really well to my ego. Oh, no, <laughs> just kidding. But it's sweet. Yeah. Thank you, Sparkle. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to probably go for about 10 more minutes. So if any of you guys have anything you want to say or throw in there, uh, that would be a good thing. Uh, we got a really interesting quote here uh, that I think applies to Chloe and the love that she's shared with the world after the sacrifice she's made. And Hoshi Reed wrote this, Love is, a, is that a condition in which the happiness of another person is essential to your own. And that's from Robert A. Heidean from, I think it's a book, Strangers, Stranger in a Strange Land by 1961. Can I think that's, that's a really great quote there. Oh, thank you, Margaret. Sorry, I just I think it's funny because the book is about, um, I think it's actually about an alien who comes to Earth. So I think that she was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek with that just because, I mean, not tongue-in-cheek, but just it's clever that they're, they're talking right. about someone who has come to Earth like Clark. And I think that's a cute illusion, but I love the... Um, I love the quote. I think that applies to Chloe's element a lot. But, I mean, and you, I, I always like, and it's so cheesy because you hear people do it at, like, weddings or whatever, but I always like the, the Corinthians verse, the love is patient, yes. love is kind. I always felt like Chloe has been infinitely patient because I know Clark's had his, oh, had, you know, you said we've been, she's in the audience, and, like, you definitely have days where you know Chloe's just been rolling her eyes or you want to roll your eyes or throw a stuffed animal at the TV set or whatever because right. you're like, Clark, get with the program yes. already. So her patience and ours have been tested sometimes with some of the stuff he does. Lana, cough. Um, yeah. We're just like, come on, man, with the program now. You know, and I really respect Chloe throughout all that. You know, there's a lot of mean things she could have said when Clark was going after her. And there's a lot of things, bad things she could have said about Lana or done to Lana knowing, kind of being on both sides of the fence on things. And I really respect her for playing devil's advocate with the whole situation. And trying to be a friend for both of them and trying to be there for both of them. And, and again, not getting mixed up in the rumor mill as well. Because, you know, with those types of situations between boyfriend and girlfriend, sometimes you find out the wrong information and you get yourself into trouble, and I just like how noble Yeah, even if a boyfriend is, isn't a superpower, right. alien, yeah, that's a hard place to be, to be best friends to both people in the relationship. Yeah. So I thought she handled that as well as you could. I mean, talk about your awkward slots. Yeah. And Chloe's dealt with a lot of awkward throughout the course of this show. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even, even 15-year-old Michael here is commenting that he's been in that place, so... And my two best friends are in our relationship, and it gets really weird sometimes. Yeah. Unspoken Bond wrote a great comment here. She's a great... She's great to both Lana and Clark. She's mature enough to really not get in the middle while helping them at the same time. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And she even tried to get herself out of it back in season five. She basically said to Clark, I cannot get into this because I'm friends with both of you and I respect both of you. Right. And this is not my place. Bend Your Spoon's saying about the situation, I think Oliver's smart. How so, Bend Your Spoon?
That Chloe fan one, two, three, four said, I will never understand why she was friends with Lana. She was a true strip club. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of like that. I don't know, I guess she wanted, I guess she started trying to like Lana because Clark liked Lana. I think it was like a, I'll tolerate you because you matter to my my best friend kind of thing. And I guess it sort of grew once they started living together, but I would be hard-pressed to want to hang out with Lana sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes it might have been a little bit difficult. Yeah. Trying to be nice, but might have been a little bit hard sometimes. Well, do you think that Chloe kind of always knew in the back of her mind that it wasn't going to work out between the two of them? With Clark and Lana? Yeah. I think she wanted it to work for them because that's what Clark wanted, but I think she probably knew it wasn't going to. Yeah. Going to click as well as it could have. And and I love Clark slide his ass off most of the time. What were you going to say, Nico? Yeah, it's really funny that um, Chloe and Lana didn't get along very well, and yet uh, Kristen Crook and uh, Allison Mack are such great friends. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of funny the way that, that kind of stuff works out. Well, it, it just reminds us that they also live in a fictional world, as do we when we watch this show. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, also, like, hey, it shows well. just how great uh, of actor, you know, actors they are because, you know, they they can act like there's this horrible tension between them, and yet, uh, as soon as they say cut, you know, they're buddy-buddy, they're yeah. best friends, and, and, and that goes for everybody on these kinds of shows because, you know, the enemies... Uh, you know, Michael Rosenbaum and uh, um, everyone on that set, on the set got along very well, and he loved his time on the show. But yet, he was the ultimate villain, and right. everybody hates him on the show. And that just speaks volumes to how how great these actors are. Well, and also to know that uh, Michael Rosenbaum was such a practical joker while he was on set, and he played such an evil, dark serious character, it just it blows my mind. Again, I think the person, I think Allison has got to play a character most similar to herself. I know she said in some interviews that I don't, I mean, she's not as courageous. I don't think any of us are as courageous as Chloe Sullivan at times. I mean, we're not crazy enough to have all of our memories get stripped away, like Margaret was talking before, um, and then episode back in season eight. Abyss. Abyss. Like, I, I, that would scare the crap out of me. I don't know about you guys. It scared me too, but again, it wasn't yeah. by choice that that right. happened. Right. But if she had to choose between that and the world or Clark or something, of course she'd choose it. Yeah. But with that, we're kind of wrapping up to the end of tonight's event. So, I guess, real quick, I want to say, since we're here and potentially Allison may be listening to this podcast, I mean, is there anything you guys want to say to her for just giving us this great character and giving us this great ride over the past ten years with Chloe Sullivan? Is there anything you guys want to say to the effect about that? Um... I would just like to say that I think it's been great to watch an actress who has worked really well at her craft, who's definitely grown over the years and 
even though she had great range to start, has really been in the last, you know, I don't even, I think Saban Vivon really shown stuff that I didn't know that would be capable of in the beginning. That just has really shown this range and really brought this character to life and really taken her seriously and, you know, you know, wanted to tie her up and end her for the fans because, I mean, she, you know, she respected her fans enough to come back and finish something out for us. And I, I really think that was great of her to do that because it would have been really hard if they had just left it hanging at the end of season nine and been like, and then Snowy disappeared, you know. Right. Um, so I'm really glad that she came back and did give something for the end of Chloe's arc so we could feel a completion to this journey after 10 years and just wish her a lot of luck and hope that everything she does out there in theater and wherever else goes well. Well, I want to say, and this is kind of going off what I'm seeing in the chat, you know, Allison, if you're listening to this, you and Chloe Sullivan have just been an amazing inspiration. I mean, just all the respect you've given us as fans and understanding our love for Chloe Sullivan and the work that you've been doing and just being so gracious to us and so gracious to the material and everything that's come and just being incredibly classy. I just have a ton of respect for you with that, and I really wish you well in your future career. I mean, I think all of us here, and this is the reason why we're doing this, is you know we want you to keep doing what you're doing, keep doing acting, and we hope that your career grows and becomes something truly special. I mean, it's been great so far, and you should be proud of all the work that you've done. And I just hope you keep up the great work. I mean, really respect what you've done, and you've given us a character that's taken its life on its own. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And, I mean, you should be proud of that every day you get the chance. I mean, that's just awesome. And, I mean, this chat is going crazy right now. But just people just saying, you know, that they love what you're doing. They wish you well. Uh, you know, they're excited about your play coming up, the Apple Cove, which Margaret, I know, is going to see tomorrow night. You're a part of that trip, right, Margaret? Yeah, well, Sunday, but same difference. Sunday. I mean, oh, my gosh, I feel like it's going to be... You have to be up at 6 to go to the airport to get to New York. It's going to be interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. But she's yeah. got the big play uh, going this weekend, so we wish her well with that. Go ahead, Nico. Yeah. I just wanted to second and third what you guys were saying. And, Allison, I really want to see you in front of the camera. Don't go to the back. Don't just produce. Don't just direct. Be out in front. You're too good of a talent. And we loved Chloe so much that... We want to see you in other shows. Do do some other shows. <laughs> um, be uh, be the leading lady in uh, a network TV show, or go and do some movies because uh, you have millions of Smallville fans that will watch anything that you're in. So don't. I know you you started a production company, and I'm I, I, I'm happy for that. But don't just do that. Please continue acting because we love you and really want to see more of you. Yeah, I, I I second that. I know you third that, Michael. And I mean, Allison, we're, I'm just going up and down this chat and everyone's saying, you know, please tell her she rocks. She's inspired me so much. You know, Allison is just really talented. Thank you for 10 great years. You're an amazing actress. We know whatever you work on will be great. Keep shining. I mean, just on and on and on. People are doing great things. And I mean, here we've got a charity joining us that's doing things in your name, and it's just it's a great thing. And also, please, if you realize the potential that these charities are doing, please continue to help them out as well. It's a great thing. You've got great potential. And Michael's raising his hand with something to say. 
we're going to wrap up with his thought. I just wanted to be able to say, like, if, I mean, if you're potentially listening, Allison, I just want to personally, I guess, say to you that I really appreciate you, and I, as an actress and as a director and as a producer, and most importantly as a person, I mean, I, from what I've heard, you're a lot like your character, and even though you might deny it in some aspects, I think that just shows your humility and how much you actually really are like the character, and I just want to thank you for bringing life to Chloe Sullivan and for being on this show for so long, and I wanted to beg you if there's any way you could come back for the finale. I know you're not really signed up for that, but, I mean, it'd be really cool to have you there or at least, like, look up and see Superman flying or something like that. Anyway, like what Nico said as well, be in front of the camera. Please do more. We really appreciate your talent. We really want to see you out there. I mean, I wish you luck in everything you do, whether it's acting, directing, producing, even writing, whatever, and in your play as well. Yeah, and, and on that, I, I want to thank another incredible person. I, I mean, multiple people, uh, multiple incredible people. Um, that includes you, Margaret. Thank you for joining you. us so much. We appreciate that. Um, we hope you you know join us for something again, or we get to combine forces again. Um, it was really great working with you and getting to know you over the past couple of weeks and doing this. So thanks well, a lot. Great, and I, I don't think we would have gone as far, been as successful without you guys, you know, helping promote us and get the word out about such a great charity opportunity. So we're the ones who really feel in debt to y'all. Well, thank, so you. thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I mean, we have a ton of respect for your organization and everything that you guys are doing. And just thank you for letting us be a part of what you do and what we do. And, and we're glad that through Across the Airways, we've been able to make a heroic difference like Chloe Sullivan as well. So thank you. Thank you, all you fans. Thank you, everyone in the chat room who's joined us. We really appreciate that. And, of course, Michael, thank you for everything you've done. And you too, Nico. You're an awesome co-host. Thanks for bearing with us tonight on the technical issues and stuff like that. And you too, Margaret. And also I'd like to thank Karina for briefly joining us. I'm sorry things didn't work out technically on that aspect, but thank you for joining us. And I also want to thank uh, Liz DeRazzo for giving the time and giving us a great interview. We appreciate that. And uh, keep up the great work you're doing too. Liz, you seem like a really great person, and we wish you well. And with that, for those of you joining us in the chat room, if you want to keep in touch with us and follow Across the Airways for more upcoming live show events and things as well, you can contact us by visiting our website at www.acrosstheairwaves.com. There you can access our Twitter page, Across Airways. You can also like our Facebook page and do that. And you can also visit our YouTube channel, which is run beautifully by our very own Michael J. Petty. And he does some great videos and promos. He did some for Chloe Fest, and they're really impressive. So check those out. It's a great thing. And also, on our website, you can visit our link that we put up to Legendary Women Inc. So you can keep track of everything that Margaret and her organization is doing. And hopefully she'll keep in touch with us email-wise so we can keep you guys updated on what's going on there through our podcast as well. So with that, once again, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Reichstein. And I'm Michael J. Petty. And until next week or our next episode, which should be broadcasting sometime next week, we will catch you on the airways. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, Allison, and keep up the great work as Chloe, and we wish you well in the future. Thanks. Thanks.